Viewer discretion is advised. We used to get hidings and then like compare marks, see who's got the biggest mark. <laughs> and then whoever had the biggest like mark, like Fusi Bao Mark, yeah, you're the strongest, my bro. <laughs> so we got married, we had a kid, and then we just we found out that we could not communicate with each other. And so we divorced. At that point in time I thought I just wasn't good enough. You know, so to the point that it drove me to like uh, a suicide attempt. You can try your best to do good by the church. They're still gonna talk badly about your performance. Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight's guest is from Tamaki Makoto, our West Okilari. He is an amazing, promising musician, young artist who has a unique style in terms of linguistics and also using his bilingual skills in terms of using Samoan and English um, in terms of his music. The man um, in 2001, Outbreak Music, Outbreak Song. The song was Femoni Air, and in 2023, um, just recently, uh, one of his latest tracks is called Siva Mai. And also, the man is hes renowned as a radio DJ on the morning check at New FM. Please put your hands together for the man himself, the Western Guide! Malo, Malo, lover. Malo, lover, so full. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Pete. That was crazy, bro. Made me sound really important just then. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you are, bro. You are. So important. Thank you so much for jumping on board tonight. Really appreciate it, bro. And um, obviously, we just kind of, before we started, we just out the, at the back there and just kind of having a bit of a conversation yeah. in terms of um, where you're from out west and, um, and also the, the, your music, your, 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 your style. And so, kind of to, to warm things up a bit, also, um, tell us about your, your bilingual style in terms of the reggae and, and how that came about, because I know it's quite unique. I know people in the past have used rap yeah. uh, with uh, the Samoan in English, um, but in terms of your reggae style, what's, what's the defining point there? Damn. Firstly, uh, thank you. Thank you again for having me on. It's a, it's a massive uh, honor, privilege to be on this platform, you know, and hanging out with you guys. Uh, the music itself, it's kind of, honestly, I. I want to say blame my dad. I'm going to try my best not to blame my dad for everything this whole podcast. But, you know, for me, like, my dad was 5 L, so um, there was a lot of Sundays where he would be like, let's write a song. Let's let's write this, like, um, Apple song. Let's turn it into a Samoan version. Like, write some lyrics. And so I'd be like, man, I don't know how to talk Samoan properly. So over time, I learned how to, you know, write music from English to Samoan. And I've just kind of adopted that in my own music, you know, growing up. And so now that I... I am in a position where I'm making music and it's both Samoan and English. It's kind of my goal for people who don't really, you know, understand or speak a lot of Samoan that they can understand what the song is from the English lyrics and then the Samoan lyrics is for, you know, my Samoan heritage. So uh, shout out my dad for enforcing Samoan language growing up. That's <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. How appropriate is it? It was Samoan Language Week this week as well. I know, I know. And so to have you on and talking about your bilingual um, yeah. skills in terms of Samoan and English. And so obviously now you're Samoan, you're fluent in Samoan now? I, I want to say fluent. I think I was fluent when I was 13. Now that I'm 26, not so much. I just, you know, kind of spend a lot of time at radio school and stuff, speaking English all the time. Um, but I can hold a conversation, you know, I can uh, speak pretty good Samoan, just can't do any of the Makai stuff. I don't know how many people can do that these days. It's it's a bit of a skill. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome, try, I try my best. Awesome, bro. Awesome. Because <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that, you, that would be one of your, um, in terms of selling points in terms of your music. But how important is, is your culture in terms of Samoan, being Samoan, and implementing that into your music? Oh, uh, it's super important. And I think, uh, not even, I don't, I think I don't speak for myself here, maybe myself and anybody else my age, but there was a massive like, identity crisis growing up um especially being Samoan born in New Zealand you know and so 
So a lot of people, they're like, yeah, you're Samoan. You're not really Kiwi, are you? So I'm like, oh, well, I was born in New Zealand. It makes me a Kiwi. So I'm like, cool. I'll identify as Kiwi. And then you go to Samoan, you know, you meet your Samoan family. They're like, oh, you're not really Samoan. You're actually Kiwi. So I'm like, so where do I sit? You know, and so the importance for me of including Samoan, like lyrics and just words in my songs, it's just so that I can remind myself that, you know, regardless of my situation, I'm still Samoan. My... My heritage is Samoan, my family is Samoan, I'm Samoan, and that's it. Like, that's my thing that I can use for for my music and anything that I'm doing, I'm allowed to. Cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. I know. And is that something you're kind of like at peace with now, or is it still kind of in the back of your mind a little bit where maybe some days you just have good days and other days... Absolutely. Should, yeah. yeah, some days are great, some days are horrible, but for the most part, you know, I've always told myself that regardless of my situation and where I am at life... I'm always Samoan, you know, and suddenly my dad told me, you know, because a lot of people do like, oh, yeah, I'm like 50% this, 50% that. But we're just, we just are, we're Samoan. You know, I have Tongan blood in me, so I'm Tongan too. And it's it's always good to be proud of those, you know, um, those cultures and whatever other cultures that you're surrounded by, you know, Fijians and stuff at work. And so I embrace their culture as well. It's mm. cool. Yeah, just thinking about, um, you know, how we define what our culture is like, you know, when um, when we talk to people and they go, "Oh, I'm Samoan," like, what does that mean to you? Like, and we sort of have like, does does it speaking the language define our culture, or is it like our blood, or what does it mean to you, man? Being like, what does being Samoan yeah. mean to me? That means everything to me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Growing up, and this is this is honest truth. Growing up, I didn't want to be Samoan. Um, as a kid, and I, I was surrounded by a lot of Balangis and a, a lot of um, Samoans as well. But when I was a kid, I was just like, "This is terrible." <laughs> I'm, you know, getting hidings and just just was not happy. I think I was playing the victim a lot as a kid. Uh, and so, growing up and learning about my culture and being able to understand uh, why certain characteristics are instilled within Samoans, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it's. It's something to be proud of, something we're all collectively working on, the generational trauma, all of that stuff. You know, so being someone to me, regardless, it's just, that's just my story. You know, I have to be proud of it, no matter how good or how bad it or how flawed it is. That's good, because I reckon, like, there's so many people in that um, having this cultural identity crisis because, like, if they can't speak it, they're like, oh, yeah. I'm not worthy to be someone or... Um, it's ingrained in us, like for yeah. me, both my parents are one, like I'm someone, <laughs> like, yeah. and so I have a right to, like, yeah, rip my culture, um, rip where I'm from, and, of and it's, so it's cool having this 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 conversation because, like, I reckon there's so many youngins out there, yeah. like a lot of them, like, ah, I don't, I don't want to be someone because <laughs> people tell me, oh, <laughs> Wait, P, you it's, don't even speak it, you know? know. It's funny, is it? For me, the conversation is always, why are you gatekeeping for? Like, mm. if it's something that's going to annoy you, why don't you teach them? That's good. You know, they're like, oh, you can't even speak Samoan. Okay, great. Teach them then. Yeah. Teach them something. Just anything. Don't don't just sit there complain about this issue. Because it's an issue that's been around for years and it'll continue to be around for years. It yeah. just depends on people how people grew up, you know, and I'm constantly reminded um, just my friends and people around me, they had different, like, backgrounds to myself, you know, especially in their Samoan as well. And I'm like, what the hell? You didn't have... 
ice cream t- container for lunch. Like, <laughs> I was like, what is that? You know, I had a proper Sistema one every single day. I was like, what is this? Is that abnormal? Is that abnormal? But I'm like, you know, they still Samoan. They're still allowed to claim their Samoan to me. I was like, okay, you know, I gotta, you gotta just help, like, teach people what your experiences were, learn what their experiences were, and collectively we can all help each other. Yeah, that's cool, so interesting, eh? Because, man, 100%, like, there are a lot of people, myself included, that just struggled. Sometimes it feels like you have to qualify to be, to label yourself as someone. And I remember growing up, because I went to Linfield, like, there weren't many islanders at their school Um, and so all my friends from South Auckland like left them behind and started in this new school and I remember being like there were kind of two aspects of it there was like what I heard in the media was all negative stuff about um, Samoans and islanders and so there was a part of me that was like I'm now in this mini Pākehā school I'm like nah I don't want to be associated with those guys that (laughs) you read in there Um, but then also by the time I was old enough to realized that, hey, I am someone, like I should go out and learn. Then it was like the fear of like, oh, I'm someone, but I don't know the language. Yeah. And so it's always like, I always felt like I was saying I'm someone with an asterisk. So <laughs> like, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm someone, but yeah. I can't speak the language. I don't know how to do like, you know, all yeah. these other things that you would expect in your mind. Wherever your mind goes to when you think of someone's, I can't do any of that. It's just literally my parents are someone. And I used to always think like, oh, I'm not qualified to be someone. So I always pull on like my stepdad's culture, like I'm, oh, I'm part Maori, like, yeah. And so I just feel you, and I know that there's lots of other people that are New Zealand-born someone that, for whatever reason, like you mentioned before, like the there's not many people that can speak in the Makai way. Yeah. But I think also just regular lang- like Samoan language, like there's there's a big push for it now, yeah. but. When we were coming through high school, never, eh? nah, never, nah. So I just think it's cool that you've been able to find, find yourself, um, and have their support and just own it. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of us that it's it's scary to own it. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. I think you know I give a lot of kudos back to my parents. My parents were kind of you know they were really strict on us growing up, and I was just kind of there was a, I think there was a couple of years where my dad was like no one's allowed to speak English in this house, and for those two years I hated him just heaps. And, you know, my mom was the same. She'd be like, make sure you don't speak English here. So I'd struggled through those two years, but those two years were really pivotal for my um, language journey because after that I was able to hold conversations. I was able to up, ask, like, questions and, you know, talk to people in Samoan language, which has been really beneficial for me as an adult because sometimes we deal with the elderly, you know, and I can I can conversate with them to an extent. I'm like, cool, you know, we can communicate at least. That's which I think, yeah, true. as long as people how old are trying. Were you when, how old were you when they... Sort of implemented that, bro. Late 16, 17, you know, by then oh, I, I probably had a real Kiwi accent, and so trying to speak someone, I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, I was, it was like, learn your peppers, that was it. And then 16, 17, oh. I was like, only speak someone at home, that's it. What made them want to do that at that later part of your um, um adolescence? Man, I wish I could ask them. I probably should. But I don't know. I just remember one day we had a family meeting, as you do. You know, you have mm. kongai, then you have um, family loku, and then dad's in there with his jandal. It's like, <coughs> yep, yeah, I go go gala. And I'm like, damn it, someone's going to get a hiding for us. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he's just like, I think it's uh, time for us to speak someone in, in this household more often. And it's just because I had really thick slang accent back when I was a kid, you know. And he's up there now. Can I? Can I join? So my dad was like, "No, no, no. We need to make sure that we're not losing our culture. You know, even though you're schooling here in New Zealand and learning how to speak English every day, it's important that we speak Samoan." Jeez, 
Man, kudos to your dad, bro, because... Uh, I don't know, I'm just thinking that probably he probably saw something or kind of said something in terms of identity and around culture. And obviously, you know, we, we talk about losing identity in our Samoan culture and some even the language also. Yeah. But kudos to your dad for, for doing that and sticking within the two years and yeah, getting yeah. you to really speak it because I can guarantee, you know, you, you don't, you look back now and think, man, that's probably one of the best things that could have ever happened to you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I think... Uh, what really helped me was learning about my my parents' journey, you know. So learning about how they ca- came over to New Zealand. My dad was born here, so he was pretty much the same. Couldn't speak Samoan. He had his kids, still couldn't really speak Samoan. Um, and his dad's, you know, hard out for Samoan. So I think it, he got to a point when he started, um, he decided he wanted to become a Fife Elwin and he picked up the language really well. And so I think any time, when we, when we went through that, those two years, of learning Samoan for me, I was like, oh well, he's not being a hypocrite. At least he he understands and he's he learned Samoan. He took his time, so it's only fair that we take our time too. Man, that's so cool, bro! Shout out my dad, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro. Shucks, that's cool. Did he get Malua or Biula? We're K four, so can I have a four? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the church yeah. we were part of was uh, if I Asa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, cool. Jeez. The, the main church is just in Woody, Woody over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeez. My family used to go there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, back in the day, the Falilis and, um, oh, my cousins, not Falilis. Shucks, I feel like I'm talking off camera. <laughs> 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 Shout out to just having this cool yeah, 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 conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to all the FX crew and the FRK Asa. We don't yeah. really um, talk about it much, but it's a big part of our culture. Absolutely. And I think, um, Absolutely. Uh, even though, because we grew up FX. Yeah, and yeah. And if it so. wasn't for like Sunday school, getting up Lenny now, um, Pippers, yeah, yeah. getting the hiding <laughs> for work. Um, I think it traumatized people. Bro, it's traumatized. <laughs> I, 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 straight up, man, Charles, I was traumatized, man. Because uh, obviously, White Sunday, you, you, you would know. Yeah. Um, and so, man, some of those people say I'm Charles. Man, those days, man, they used <laughs> to give us, they used to give me these these big pippers, man. Like, what the hell? I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm reading these these um these pippers. I'm like, man, I don't even understand what I'm what I'm even talking mm. about. Uh, but I remember it was it was like you had to learn it, but you know I can I can kind of um, feel that um, I feel that um, you know that that kind of you know that not pressure, but more so the that kind of sense of oh man I have to learn this, but yeah. and also the like this dreading just to, to learn this all the stuff. Shucks. But even now that you're saying now like bro, I love what my dad has done because yeah. I'm able to to communicate it and have these conversations. Yeah. Um, but also for your music as well, that's, that's that's so awesome, bro. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, when we talk about White Sunday and stuff, like I think it was really important for who I am as a person mm-hmm. you know growing up um I was fortunate enough to always be main character um you know always be top of the class and stuff like that and I used to just think it's just because my dad it's because my dad's a fuck hell <laughs> you know this is triggering because <laughs> man I was the oldest in my bus singer <laughs> <laughs> and I always came fifth. You know how they did the bro, prize giving. I, I hated it, man. And they got, you know, the first always got like um, you got a Bible, like a Bible, Bible, Bible yeah. And then it got to me, and I must have got just a pencil. pencil. <laughs> and then it got to a stage. Wait, I'm the oldest. Yeah, I better start learning my papers. And I think once I came first, and the Sunday school teacher was like, I'm surprised. So like, yeah, far out. <laughs> Talking about these different traumas. It's triggering, triggering, man. It's good, it's good to but see, you guys had this pressure of like big peppers. I had these this pressure of these small peppers being the outers and being at the back. 
<laughs> okay, sorry. Let's back to you. Back to you. Nah, 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 nah. I'll good. see our council after this. Shared, shared experiences as well. Yeah. Man. Oh man. So man. shout out to the kids preparing for Sunday school coming up. <laughs> I feel your pain. The only way out of it when you're in Alcalavo is to get your missus pregnant. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just turned 20 and then I turned up to the next white Sunday. I was like, oh, sorry guys. I'm not man now. No, no, that, oh shucks, we gotta edit that out, but that's not done. Nah, leave it in there. Shout out my brother, Lassie. He did exactly that, Get married that, first, right? get married first, and then have kids. Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
as opposed to like make sure it's something you guys enjoy and something you want to give back to the Lord. It's like, no, we gotta be the best in that church. We gotta go show them that we do mean ass. And so for me I always found like that mindset was looking back in hindsight kind of toxic because we're just doing things to show face. And I found that it was a common um it was just a common theme throughout my church years. And you know, not to say anything bad about all the people I went to church with because I love them all. But it's just the reality of the, the kind of congregation life, you know. So, yeah. So good, there would have been a bit of a put a bit of strain between you and your and your dad in terms of you leaving church, or was it just just dad just understood where where you were coming from? Definitely a strain. Definitely, mm. I think a, a, if any you know person says they don't have a kind of difficult time with their dad, they're probably lying because there's always bound to be strain and you know back and forth. Me and my dad had a lot of uh, disagreements growing up, you know, and even with my mum, but my mum was really supportive for a lot of it. So, you know, obviously mums care about their sons a lot. So me and my dad were kind of always just just fighting in the background about different things. And I think I think we're similar people, that's why. We're two similar people. We're quite stubborn. Um, we want what's best for each other. And so it just it kind of deteriorated for a while. Rated. Deteriorated? Yeah, whatever. Um, but we've only recently kind of you know go back to talking and being cool again lately as of like the last four years but before that it was kind of rampage on rampage just yeah disobeying my dad just on purpose sometimes just to see him have a reaction gee <laughs> <laughs> that'd be kind of interesting to, to un- unwrap um also in terms of um father-son relationships especially in, the, in this context in terms of father who's, who's a five year old and, and you your son and then, like, just the whole, and just recently, just re- you said just recently, in the last four years, you come together again, yeah. and so the whole, I don't know how many how many years you've kind of um kind of butt heads together, but just well, tell us, walk us through in terms of how did it how did it kind of like in, in terms of you, in terms of your relationship with dad, what what was what was going through your mind and, and your mental well being, man. I- there was one really pivotal moment, I'll tell you, it's quite funny. Um, me and my dad was growling me off about something. And, you know, when you get a growling, you sit there for about three hours, you know, you just take it in, just, yep, yep, okay, yeah, okay. And I think there was one time my dad was having a go, and I'd had enough. So I stood up and I go, you know what, as long as I live in this house, I'll never be anything underneath you. And my dad, I think almost started crying. He was really upset, though. But that, I said that to his face, and looking back now, probably not the nicest thing to say to you know your your parent or or anyone that you love so I think from then on our relationship just started to crumble there's a lot of things you know uh, a bit of resentment on both ends and just kind of disagreeing on a lot of things and around that time too um, I had a baby you know I was, I was starting my own family so I was at that like mentality like I'm a man I can do what I want now you know so talk to me nice or don't talk to me at all it's that type of vibe so from then on, you know, me and my dad disagreed on a lot of things and over time we've kind of been able to mend, you know, and uh, I've I've kind of spent some time living with his dad and I understood why he is the way he is, you know, the way my dad is. So I'm like, you know what, I've got to be nice at some because I realised that he had a pretty rough childhood too. So, you know, so for me I've, I've been able to grow up and understand that he's like that because of his environment, you know, so I've got to be a bit more compassionate. And I think it's just a good reminder to be a bit compassionate to our parents because they, hey, they they were learning when they had us too, you know. So, yeah. And so, how did that process of like making peace with your dad? How do you even start a process like that, especially when 
you know, things have been left. I don't know how long they were left that way, but, you know, it's always <laughs> left on a sort of tense note. Oh, so, like, yeah. who reaches out first? What do you even say? Like, is it facilitated with your mum? Like, yeah, like, how did that all come to play? Nah, it was just on stagnant for a long time. I just avoided him. I didn't really want to talk to him much. But I think over time he just started reaching out a bit more, you know. And so around that time I was uh, going through my own situations that I needed. I needed a dad to fall on, so I needed someone to talk to. And so slowly we just, you know, started um, reaching out again. Because they live in Australia, by the way, just going to add that in there. They made it, the distance for me made it easier to, to be away from him. So um, Over time, I don't think anything, not, not specifically like facilitated it, but we just kind of both understood where we were coming from, where he knew where I was coming from and I knew where he was coming from. So, yeah, we were able to just look past it, you know, our, our differences and just go back to being a dad and a son, you know. <laughs> Which a lot of people miss out on, so I'm grateful that I still am able to, you know, argue with my dad and have disagreements because some dads don't like that at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. Man, yeah. it's so interesting that you got to live, did you say, with your dad's dad? Yeah. To kind of get a glimpse into why your dad is the way he is? Yeah. So I'm um, living with my grandparents and I'm like, yeah, cool, this is whatever. I don't even do anything else because my grandma does a lot of the stuff around the house, you know, and she's like, if you're working, you work, come home, rest, you know, I'll do everything else. So um, just living with them and understanding the way my granddad was, he's a hard man. You know, he grabs me off every third day just to, you know, go to work, you know. I'm like, yeah, I go to work. <laughs> he's like, why do you come home before lunchtime? Like, my job doesn't, you know, I start at 6 and I finish around 11.30. I'm all good. So He's kind of just, you know, he moved over from Samoa. So that was his whole story. He moved over, found a job, you know, had his own fair share of problems. And then, you know, yeah, projected to some extent onto my dad. My dad done the same. But I think that's human nature. We all kind of project onto our kids at some point. We've got to learn to kind of, you know, take a step back. Do you ever catch yourself kind of projecting? Oh, hell yeah. Similarly with hell like yeah. your own kid? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was only like a couple of days ago I was... I'd made dinner and I told my daughter to like, you know, do the local. She starts giggling during the local, you know, she's doing it. She found something funny. I was angry. I was like, oh, can't wait till this is over. I'm going to grow her off, you know. And in that moment, I was like, oh, shucks, maybe it's just better to have this conversation with her. Like, hey, look, shouldn't be laughing during the local, you know, but it's okay. I'll let this one pass. Whereas if it was my dad, so yeah. But definitely, I think there's a lot of characteristics I've picked up just from my, you know, my parents in general, because tough love, We, I think a lot of us grew up on tough love. And so breaking that cycle is a lot harder than it, it is. Like people say it's easy to break the cycle, but it's quite hard to be a bit more, you know, maternal with your kids. Because yeah, it's one thing to like decide to make changes, but then it's another thing to follow through with it or action it out. And yeah, yeah. sometimes you know what you need to do or change. But man, it's like second nature, like the way we were taught, we do the same thing. And so navigating that whole like change or um, being different in terms of our parenting style, man, that's, oh, for me personally, it's, it's quite challenging. It's hard work, yeah, it is hard work. Mm. I don't know, I remember back in the days, even even now, sometimes I kind of remind myself of my dad, like, I'll say things like, oh man, I, I won't do that, I won't implement this, I'll, do, I'll be this, I'll be this kind of dad, I'll be this cool kind of dad, and then I'll find myself doing this, reverting back to what my dad used to do, so what the heck, what am I doing? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, what it's are some funny. of this stuff, like, yeah, you know, just... <laughs> 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 
But oh, yeah, but it is, it's, it's interesting that we we kind of we, yeah we obviously. I like what you said. You said um, you had some good insights, and like your self awareness in terms of mm-hmm. living with your your granddad, and then realizing, man. So if this is what dad had to had to, um, had to deal, deal with, yeah. is it man? I can yeah. I can kind of um, kind of kind of um, really um, appreciate what you know what what dad that's has done. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And so this 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 really good insights because some people might think you're not even care, like you know. And, if, and for you to say that to to dad because I can imagine hey, Charles and Jay, if I ever said it to to my dad, man, oh, man, that would have yeah. been. It would have been my last time. Uh, latest night. <laughs> all the things. I tell you, every time I think about it, I'm like, so I'm like, why did you do that for me? Mm. Well, I guess as a kid, you kind of, you learn, you learn very quickly what not to say. <laughs> but your dad was, but your dad was, in terms of your, your, your father, you know, because it could have been quite physical, you know, the, the, the way we've been living and how we used to live in, the, in our culture in terms of discipline. It could have been quite physical, but your dad was, yeah, kudos. Yeah, your, your dad, my little lover, for like, hey, not going down that route, but it's like, <laughs> not sure the full story. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for this. Right, let's talk about my favorite hiding. Oh, you said you choice of weapon. What's the choice of weapon? I'll tell you what, <laughs> Nah, hidings is so funny. You know, being, being on the radio, man, it's like, Whenever we talk about hidings, we always have to mask it. We have to be like, oh, discipline, you know? We should, <laughs> we should bring discipline back. And they're like, what do you mean discipline? Oh, you know, just a bit of touch to the face. And <laughs> a couple of punishments. A couple of, you know, fussy bottles to the nose, you know? But hidings, man, it was, it was such, a, such a big part of my life growing up. And, um, you know, there's, 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 there's people who are like, yeah, I got a hiding. And then there's those people who are like, nah, I got smashed. I <laughs> yeah. got smashed. And I think we had a good balance. You know, so I had a good balance of getting smashed and getting hidings, you know, so a variety of things. And uh, a lot of it was just because I was a, you know, bit cheeky, bit of a moipy. Just thought I knew it all. Um, but man, we used to get hidings and then like compare marks, see who's got the biggest mark. <laughs> and then whoever had the biggest like mark, like Fusiba Omar, yeah, you're the strongest, my brother. You're the strongest. <laughs> and that's what I always tell people like nowadays, like you can mock me all you want, you know, people will try to say things to hurt you. I'm like, Tala, it's not a Fusibattle to my neck, bro. It's not a Fusibattle to my face. I'm doing sweet, bro. It's all good. Yeah. But what's, what is it when we get to talk about this like hidings? You imagine other cultures when they're talking about, Getting hidings, they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but us, <laughs> we're going, oh, what did you get hiding with? And we're like laughing about it. Yeah, like, man. do you think that's therapeutic or is just part of. I just, think it just is. Part of your trauma. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's just part of our competitive spirit, you know, just to see, <laughs> see you got the worst one. Like, Damn, that was how bad I got. Damn, now you win. So you win, bro. <laughs> but I think it's always good to. Not laugh at your trauma all yeah, the time, yeah. but when you look at it in hindsight and you realize why you got that hiding, and you're like, yeah, it kind of deserved it. Some of them I didn't, but some of them, you know, you're like, yeah, deserved that, and that was quite funny. So, yeah, I think for us, it's because it's our shared lived experience. Yeah. We can talk about it, we can laugh about it, but I think for other people, when they look in and hear about hidings, they're like, man, that's abuse. I'm like, oh, that's taking it far there, man. That's taking it a bit too. Like you're stretching the book there. Yeah, Even yeah. though, you know, that might be the reality for some people, but my own personal experience, I was just, I was naughty. Mm. Yeah. Talk back to a lot. Mm. I have a theory yeah, that kind of aligns with that. I remember being at um, at a school on, on placement um, when I was in my studies and I remember there was, um, I was in another class where there weren't many Islanders and there was an Islander girl. She would have been about year six, so maybe 10 years old. Yeah. 
real quiet, withdrawn. And then um, one day she just came up to me and she was like, are you Samoan? I was like, yeah. She's like, did you get a hiding? <laughs> <laughs> and then that was how we opened up. We started talking about the hidings we got. And I, I feel like as much as we... We part of it is we can laugh about it, and yeah. like that's our way of kind of like taking the edge off. But I think there's something therapeutic about like knowing that we're not the only ones that went Absolutely through it. Like, yeah. like you were saying about that shared connection is like yeah. cool. Like I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. Nothing's wrong with me. Everyone gets hidings, or at least yeah, you know yeah. I found someone else that also got a hiding. Absolutely. Um, and so I was curious because I remember they being asked like, "Oh, you know, did you learn your lesson like after you got a hiding?" So I was like. What's the biggest lesson you learned from a hiding that you got? Mm. There's a lot. <laughs> I've got a long list. <laughs> yeah. uh, damn. We got time. We got a time. A lot of hidings <laughs> to remember too. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the most important ones was just like, learn to compose yourself, you know, and don't embarrass your family around you. Like, cause there was one time there was a big formal going on. We're in like a folly Samoa. I'm pretty sure we're in Fiji. And one of the boys was like, I dare you to like put on a coconut bra and dance by that pole. And mind you, all the koi ingas, all the five elves are sitting around in a circle having a very serious meeting, probably about something to do with like this place that we're at. So I get up and I start doing this like girly dance on the pole. And my dad looks over and then all the five elves look over and my mate's like, you got to do it for another two minutes, bro. So I keep going. I just keep dancing away. And I thought it was the funniest stuff ever. Finishes, we get home. Baddest hiding of my life, man. Massive hiding. And my dad's like, I'm not giving you a hiding because what you did was stupid. You just made everyone else look stupid. You made your whole family look silly. Like, so you have to always remember that you carry your family name wherever you go. And when you're doing silly stuff like that, like just being an idiot, brings your family name down. And I remember that, like, yeah. She's like, yeah, okay, no more coconut bras, dad. And he's like, that's, that's not besides the point, besides mm -hmm. the point. You know, just try and remember that any actions I take or anything I do has consequences on not only myself, but also my, my family. Jeez. And you learned that at 22. <laughs> 24? <laughs> no, no. I was young. I think I would have been like 11 at the time. So I was like, oh, I was just being a kid, man. Come on. Yeah, that's powerful. Man, that almost it sort of makes me think there's, because I'm still learning about the culture, but it makes me think there's also then, it's almost a double-edged sword having the expectation of not embarrassing your family. But then this expectation to live up to maybe a family legacy, yeah. expectations, things like that. So... That must be tricky to, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it isn't, but in terms of that double-edged sword of expectations, your own family's expectations, do you ever feel pressure? Yeah, expectations is a, oh man, we can go on that for ages, you know, because everybody knows when you're like five, your parents are like, oh, policeman, be a lawyer, be a doctor, you know, but I think a lot of my family, like my siblings and stuff, none of us went into those roles because we just don't really want to do that stuff, you know. So um, for me, the expectation was to always just, like, be the best. And my dad was like, you're great at speaking. You should be a lawyer. So he was very disappointed when he found out that I wanted to be a chef. So I was like, man, I really want to be a chef. And he's like, why would you stand on, like, your feet for 12 hours making food for other people? And I remember at the time, like, wow, just, you know, just crap on my dreams. And like, shop, bro, thanks. Um... But I feel like the expectation just always remains. I've just learned how to numb it. Like, that's not my, that's nothing to do with me. That's your expectation of me. I have my own expectations of myself. You know, so, yeah. Like, the, I think a lot of people want me to do, like, stuff that makes them happy. Do church music. Do reggae music, you know. Go be an actor. Go be a lawyer, whatever. But my expectation of myself is more important than 
my family's expectation of me. So if I, you know, do well on my own, I'll do well for my family. If I try to live up to the expectations, I might do terribly because I'm miserable. And then in turn, I was just going to go downhill. So, yeah, expectations, funny one. Gee. Imagine if you if you did um, take on board dad's expectations in terms of, hey, being a lawyer. And imagine that, because imagine that, because I think we took on early on at, just uh, at the back there. Mm. You know, some people were like, in terms of your music and, and, the, and the reggae style, and your bilingual usage of English and Samoa. You know, people would have said, oh, no, no, you need to do this. This is the best style. This is the genre you need to be f- um, focusing on. Imagine that because it is. It's, it's kind of like it's something something different. Different also in terms of the music industry and uh, your your reggae and your bilingual um, skills. Has there been a time where you feel like, man, I may have to change because this may not be working out? Every day, every day. I think a lot of artists, specifically, you know, every day you fight with like the just the uncertainty of your art. Because you're like, man, this could be great. And then by night time, you're like, sucks. Like, no one's going to listen to this. So, like, for a good example, my latest song, Siva Mai, I didn't want to drop it because it's on an Afrobeat. You know, Afrobeat doesn't really belong to Samoans. It belongs to the Africans and, you know, on that side of the world. So for me, I was like, this is a big jump. And so to put Samoan lyrics on here and to just be unapologetically Samoan, even with the music video for me, I was like, really nervous um and shout out to my bro samson samson rambo who really helped me out through that whole process um of the mi- the music video he always told me like just be yourself also like that's if that's what you like and that's what you want to do then like push that you know and people will will either appreciate it or hate it but that's just the nature of the game they'll like it or they'll hate it and you can't do anything about it because you can only control what you do and you know your reaction and what you want in life so yeah Jeez, I like it. Thank you for saying that because I can, I imagine, hey, hey brothers, imagine people out there who maybe whatever, whatever aspirations or goals they're having and they're kind of doing things or whatever work they're, line of work they're doing, they're doing it, but they had, you know, they felt like, man, this is what I really want to do and this is what I should have stuck to, stuck to my guns. And because I didn't stick to my guns and now I'm doing this, I'm, I feel miserable. Imagine, I'm just thinking, how many men out there are thinking, are doing things or in a position or in a place or at a workplace? Where they're like, man, I should have just stuck to my guns. I should have just done it. And I love that you said, hey, regardless of what, what people think, yep. I'm still going to stick to my guns and, and, and follow through. Hell yeah. I think it's, um, and to be honest, you've, you've really got to want it. You've got, if, if, it, if you want that change, you've got to commit to it. Because it's, it's being said all the time. It's not an easy road. You know, people say that all the time. If I use my radio journey as a good example, um, I was going through a lot of issues. Um, my family life at that time. So I moved into my grandparents. I was living with them. Um, and I quit my job. I was working warehousing, you know, at that at that time. But I was just unhappy. I couldn't like control my emotions. And I remember listening to like Nate and Nixon on my FM around that time. And I'm like, this this must be easy. <laughs> Sounds like heaps of fun. This would be easy. And so I applied for two. One the, the day after, I applied for two places. I applied for the Navy and I applied for the radio. And I go, whichever one um, accepts me first, I'll go there because I had just kind of reached. Like I was didn't know what to do. I was tired of my life, so I was like, "Cool, Navy probably seems easy. I could probably go there, or let's just try something out the gate. Let's just go radio." And uh, radio reached out to me first. Um, the radio school down in Tauranga, so I went down there for six months, and yeah, my life changed the moment I drove down. But I remember the phone call to my dad, the conversation with my grandparents. My grandpa was like, "Told her I came over from Samoa, gave my kids an education. They're gonna go talk on the radio." Uh, he was he was a bit disappointed. He was supportive, but he was just like, "Are you sure? Like, is this what you want to pursue?" 
My dad, same response. My mum, supportive all the time. You can do it, son. I was like, oh, thanks, mum, love you. Um, but everyone else was kind of like, they weren't vocal about their support. You know, they were just like, yeah, I guess. Like, go do your thing. And so for them to see my journey in radio coming through, you know, the only reason I wanted to do radio was firstly because I thought it was easy. Secondly, I wanted to figure out how to get my own music onto the radio. And, you know, now many years later, I think three now, three years later now, I'm on the radio, I'm on the morning show, I make music, my music plays on our radio station. <coughs> is that cheeky? Yes, it is. But I worked hard to get there, you know. So when people were like, man, you really like, you're really blessed. I was like, I worked really hard to get there. You know, so, and I didn't do it alone, but I did have to like make that hard decision first. And then everyone else slowly supported me and, you know, yeah. Yeah, what a story. What a journey, what a journey thus far, bro. Yeah. Boy, three years, you say three years. Oh, it might be four, but, but you know, you kind of forget after 21, all the years <laughs> after that. <laughs> <laughs> like the mentality shift, like, because what, you know, when you're at rock bottom, there's like, man, there's nowhere <laughs> lower you can go. So it's like win or lose. And, and so you're going to, you know, go all in. You have to, yeah. You and, do. And then you got this mindset like even though people are not ready for you it's like man I don't care like what else are you gonna do now and and just to see like you stuck to your guns and yeah. um, things where you're at now like everyone again we've had many guests come on here and they have um, um, they excel in a certain area but when you listen to their story man like yeah. everyone sees this glamorous side but no one knows yeah. the whole process and the struggle that you went through. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's so cool to hear your story also. And, Thank you. Um, man, but you're just getting started. I feel like you're just getting started. Like, yeah. oh. there's, there's so nah. much more. <laughs> well, I think uh, for me, and I'll give, this, I'll give the story full context, right? And I'll, I'll be vulnerable with you guys for a moment. When I was, before I started radio school, I was going through a divorce. So as a lot of young islanders do, they get someone pregnant, then they're like, you're going to have to marry them. Like, you know, so I ended up getting married. And not because I was forced to, but I think at that time I was just blindly in love. I was like, doesn't want to be with this woman for the rest of my life, you know. So we got married, we had a kid, and then we just, we found out that we could not communicate with each other. And so we divorced. And when I divorced, like, I always told myself, like, I always, my, my kids should only have one dad, one mom. So my mindset at that time was just rock bottom. I was like, no, she... My daughter needs to go with her mom to make sure whoever, you know, she's going to think next is going to be her dad. And so I was kind of in this toxic circle of putting myself down. I'm like, not a good enough dad, not a good enough man. And so the shift to radio for me was, a, you know, everything, everything had to change from just from like being stuck in a room for about two weeks, feeling sorry for myself. I realized that that's not going to, no good will come from that. I'll just end up doing that for another, you know, 10 years, if, if anything. So I told myself, like, I will use my divorce as fuel to to motivate and, um, you know, get myself disciplined into something that I really want to try and do. You know, and what else can what else can I do? I'm at the bottom. Of, you know, I can't go any lower. So, you know, I keep pushing forward. And so, yeah, I know a lot of people, when they get into those positions, they go to a really dark place. I'll be honest, I went to that dark place too. And so... I think when I was there, I realized like this is not the right way to go. So let's let's pivot mm. and let's you know find a solution to this issue. Otherwise, it's going to be 
Hey, we never met. Shucks. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that also. Like, shucks. Didn't even know. And um, a young man being vulnerable about <laughs> something that just happened not so long ago. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and still, um, oh, sorry, still working through it. So, it's, Shout out to you so Thank you bro And you know for me Like telling that story the, the, It still continues Like mm-hmm. me and my daughter's mom Have a great relationship now You know back then Horrible We yeah. didn't know how to communicate And over time we've learned With the help of our daughter um, mm-hmm. You know to make peace Which is fitting Because her name is Serenity So mm-hmm. you know we've we've managed To find our peace with each other And uh, we've been able to become Really good friends again So for me like it, it worked out I used the divorce To become a better person And now that I feel like I'm a better person You know Everything kind of came back around. My relationship with my daughter's mom worked out. My relationship with my dad. My relationship with my grandparents getting better. Just my relationship with my friends, you know, which I've learned in that time how important it is to look after your friends and to keep, you know, your circle, well, small. <laughs> keep it small. Yeah. Do you feel like it was, like it was, it was just meant to be? It was like fate in terms of, obviously, you know, said to here about the divorce, uh, but in terms of radio, Yep. You feel like it was like it was it was destined. You were destined to be in that in that kind of space in that that workplace. Uh, no, I don't think it's destined. I think I just manifested it enough to the point where I knew that like I could really do something there. I think I wanted to be either an actor or an astronaut or a chef. You know, so radio and music were kind of on the tail end of what I really wanted to do. And so doing that stuff now, I'm really glad. I'm really glad I went through all the hardships and. The three thousand jobs, you know, to get there. So many, all the all your dreams, like all very when? different. From <laughs> chef, astronaut, and what was that one? Radio. Uh, no actor. Actor. I was an actor. Yeah. Cool. What, what? 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 Were, why so random? Or like any of these stuff like connected with you? Or? Um, I thought aliens were watching me when I was like six. That's why I wanted to be an astronaut. I was like, I'm gonna go find these guys. Gonna fussy, you know, because. <laughs> I used to be in the shower and I'm like, man, somebody's watching me. And then I'd read those books and it's like, if you feel like you're being watched, because there's aliens are looking at you, I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. You know, so for a good portion of my childhood, I wanted to be an astronaut because I wanted to go find the aliens. Um, and then, uh, you know, doing heaps of White Sunday throughout all of my childhood, I was like, man, I'll be a mean actor because I always play Jesus. It was mean as, you know, so you grow up and you realize, oh, well, White Sunday acting and theater acting is very different. Yeah, man. White Sunday's oh. here. White Sunday's here. <laughs> I was just like, shucks, you know? So I kind of slowly moved into wanting to be a chef and that's just because I like I like eating. Um, and also, like, I grew up really poor, you know? And my dad wouldn't like that. My mom wouldn't like hearing that either. But we grew up quite poor. Well, there's a lot of days where there wasn't a lot of food in the pantry. Um, and one of my favorite dinners was, like, you know, just toasting toasting Loki so my 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 goal at that time was like I want to be so good at cooking that I can make some really good food out of anything that's in this pantry so yeah I used to just like go look at the pantry like breadcrumbs oh yeah flour oh yeah yeah I can make just pancakes (laughs) but I'll make them really good you know so that was my mindset for a long time and over time it just changed yeah with my circumstances as my living circumstances and my my reality yeah Shuttles. Yeah, no, not at all. I might move from music at some point too. You know, mm. never know. Because we even touch base on your on your on your voice as well. You, you can sing, bro. You can sing. I mean, 
when there's someone standing there with a fushbao in their hand, <laughs> suddenly your voice becomes angelic, you know? <laughs> suddenly it's like, Salah, how are we doing harmonies? <laughs> you got rugby players on the safari Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I think I've always, and I don't want to blame one person, but I've always been told that, like, eh, your voice is not that good. Your voice is not that good. So I always try to, like, prove it to myself. Like, no, nah, my voice is mean, you know? So over time, I'm trying to find my voice, my singing voice, my just speaking voice and things like that. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, Thank bro. you so much. I, I, hope, I hope it does sound good, you know, so I can stop using auto-tune. <laughs> <laughs> I still get flamed for it. It's only like a 70%, leave me alone. <laughs> but also in terms of um, uh, the music and the the bilingual, I always get back to the bilingual because yeah. I think it's quite interesting. Mm. And, and, your, and your voice. What what has been some of the the inspiring um, factors in terms of artists and influences in terms of as to why you've kind of gone down this path in terms of the reggae and then and all the other electric um, genres that you've kind of Afrobeat and all that kind of stuff? Well, tell us who, who, who kind of influences you. Everything, man. I listen to everything: Japanese music, Korean music, um, Spanish music. Love Spanish music. Um, I think for me, like a real pivotal moment that I can remember is when um, the One Four Boys came out. You know, I was studying radio at the time, so it was my goal to like listen to every new song as it came out. You know, I try to listen to all the songs on the day it dropped. And during that time, One Four was like just they just popped off, and so I was like, man, these these brown sound one boys doing like real hardcore drill rap, and they and they're doing it in their Australian accent. I'm like, man, this is cool. And then that whole wave came out. You know, you had the HP Boys, and they started using Uso in their song. You know. Uh, Lisi as well. I'm like, man, if they can do it, you know, I can do it too. And so slowly, as I was writing my music, I start um, incorporating my my language into you know Samoan language into it. And just over time, it's all it's all changing. And everyone, you can hear it in a lot of music now. They people try to use their language, even if it is one word like tene or like uso. You know, it's it's always good because it it just takes that for the next person to add two words. And then over time. You know, which the collective goal is to make island music like mainstream, mainstream, you know, because to us, I feel like we're mainstream because I listen to all of our island music on New FM. But if you look at stations like the big stations, you know, should I name drop them? Sure. Edge, My FM, all of those like top 40 pop stations, you know, they don't play as much like Pacific music that we wouldn't like to. And, you know, so it'd be nice for, you know, Pacific music to be considered like mainstream, mainstream. Or for it to be easier to get into there, because you know, when you think of mainstream Pacific music, you think of our big, big dogs like Tevaka, you know, Fiji, mm. Spawn Breezy, all of those boys, you know, Aradna. So, yeah, I think the goal is just to try and incorporate language wherever you can, you know, however you want, and over time it'll change. It might not happen in our generation, it might not happen in our kids' generation, but it might happen the generation after, you know. But as long as there's a gradual change, you know, like my parents used to always tell me, slowly but surely. It's good, bro. It's the race. It's good. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, something cool it's about cool. that. Like I, I, um, Korean music is like probably my favorite yeah. genre of music, and there's something about it that like I just think the way they've been able to get the culture out through the music, like yeah. it made me want to learn the language, and. Then I got to the point, like before I even started wanting to learn about Samoan and Maori culture, like I was learning more about Korean culture because that just the music got me. And then yeah, I was yeah. like, all these other facets of the culture was just fascinating to me. Um, and 
as I've started to learn about like my own culture, I realize, like you mentioned earlier, there are some like some really interesting parallels between the two. But I just think it's really cool that you're able to do what they're doing for their culture, but through your own music and yeah, that. Yeah. And um, I, I was curious about, you know, I can see how working at the radio and being a musician, there's a natural sort of link there. But I'm curious about if there's any downsides to being to having that connection. Like, are there ways that like radio work sometimes interferes with your work as a musician or vice versa? There definitely is ways. Um, however, I'm pretty blessed in the sense that like I've been able to do both simultaneously. Um, and any time I stop doing music, it's not because the radio gets in the way. I just get lazy, you know. And sometimes you need a break from your creative stuff so that your stuff's always fresh. You know, if you're I'm going to use Sam as an example. He creates every single day. I always see him. He's writing new stuff all the time, Sam V. Um, and, you know, for me, there's people there's people like that. And then there's other people like myself where I need sometimes three months. Ah, I've had enough. Let me have a quick break. Get back to life. Go to the gym. Listen to an audio book, you know. It's just sometimes it's all about balance and no one really gets balance right, you know. So, yeah. I don't think it clashes too much. Um, yeah. I've been pretty fortunate, though, with my job specifically in in my career so far yeah well how about in, in the radio sense also yeah. in terms of being a, a radio broadcaster and also a, a dj on the radio station uh, obviously this is obviously like what jay was saying there's some upsides in terms of the, the music industry and also kind of playing your, your music on the airwaves and, and so forth but the scrub for us because i know we talked earlier on because it can be quite because you, you said hey i can i can be like um, Nixon and Nate, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. And so when you when you put when you started the, the job and you started getting into the industry, uh, you said it was it wasn't easy. It's not what it's uh, definitely it's not what you be. think it is. You know, it's a lot of people think it's you jump on a mic and start talking. You know, but there's, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of things you got to remember, like just your responsibility to firstly, you know, just the people that you pr- represent, and also like your company that you work for, and then also your own personal morals. You know, so. Um, to me, I think that's quite a heavy load to carry, at, you know, because that's that's at the forefront of every radio presenter. That's their main job, and then you just have, um, in the industry in general, not just radio, but just kind of the creative industry. You've also got to learn how to deal with egos and people who aren't as self-aware as you'd like. So, like I mentioned earlier, radio has been my best job and also my worst job because you're dealing with a lot of egos and people that you might not necessarily like, but for the product, you have to care. You have to try and care sometimes, but you know, people always think like, "Nah, they're gonna keep it real. They're gonna keep it real. You can keep it real as much as you want. Sometimes you need the paycheck, <laughs> you know, and take that how you want." But there's some people who you might not want to deal with who are really important. So you have to learn how to deal with really conflicting characters. Yeah. Are you talking about your co-hosts? Yeah, Regan. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just talking about in general, like, yeah. you know, throughout the whole industry. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really lucky with my team. My team's pretty, pretty good, you know. So I'm, I'm lucky to be working with them. They're great. How yeah. how do you process all that? The a lot of the emotional burden. Is that the right term? Yeah, I guess so. Um, personally, and I will only speak for myself. Uh, I just remind myself at the end of the day, I'm just doing my job, you know. Um, whether I'm doing it good or doing it bad, I'm just doing my job. And I try to work on it as much as I can away from it and also with my mentors. But for anyone who wants to say anything bad, think like, say it. Like, it might help me be better, but also like, 
you know, paying my rent. So say what you want. At the end of the day, I'm learning. You're doing what you're doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. So, yeah, the emotional burden, I've kind of learned to just kind of chuck. When I leave the office, finished. No, come back in the next day, new set of problems. There's problems every day. So mm-hmm. just learning about how to deal with problems better. Man, are we talking about like after every show, there's a bit of, bit of an evaluation in terms of how you, your performance and all that kind of stuff? Or? Nah, nah, no way. But just I think just in general, like there's there's emotional burden sometimes, you know. And it is like sometimes on radio you do need to be vulnerable. Sometimes you do need to be a little bit emotional so that people can relate with you. And sometimes it's like it can be a bit scary mm-hmm. to talk about things. So, you know, um, if there's something you want to bring up that's quite personal, you got to be careful not to overshare because that's like a lot of people listening to your story mm-hmm. and they might be like, I don't agree with this person. I'm going to find the house. You know, or I don't, you know, I, I really agree with this person and I really appreciate that they've shared their journey. So there's always two sides of the coin. Um, I don't, we don't really, you know, talk about it in studio, but I feel like a lot of the presenters will go away, go home, you know, they're resting and they're like, man, maybe I shouldn't have said that today, you know. And I think that's normally what they have to deal with by themselves and they can talk to their co-hosts and depending on who you work with, it could be a really good, you know, a really good journey. It could be a really terrible journey. How do you how do you um, safeguard yourselves in that? Because, like you said, it, you know, there may be sometimes when you go back home and like, man, I should have said that. Is it, do you guys have any protocols, processes, or? Um, I think it comes down to just being good mates, and I'm only talking specifically on my show. Like, if you're good mates outside of your show, then you can you can you know rest assured, be rest assured that like when you are being vulnerable on the station, you know that your co-host will look after you. You know, so. Yeah, uh, not so much like protocols, like meetings and stuff, but it is always good to check in on your co-host, just like it's good to check up on your friends because you never know what they're going through. You know, so someone might be talking about something and then they get personal and like, oh, Tolly, are you right there, mate? Gee, or <laughs> you want to grab a coffee, Leo? Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's that's good. about it, yeah. Awesome. It's always interesting working with other people. Obviously, when you're working only on your own you know you only have to worry about yourself and you can kind of let things um, slide and and whatever but it even the best of friends have disagreements of course so how do you manage having disagreements especially you know in a job where things are are moving forward and it's not just youtube but other people are listening in like do you ever have you ever had times where you've kind of disagreed and then in the moment you just had to like suck it up and try and not let it bother you too much yeah yeah there's i think there's always a lot of disagreements disagreements on like a daily basis um i want to say there was a disagreement today i'll use today as an example actually i was um as a someone we mock each other you know and i was mocking one of my co-hosts on here and i might have pushed a bit too far you know and so they let me know they'd sent me a text they're like hey look i think you did just a bit too much today so for me i'm like okay i'll take my responsibility and i apologize you know and i'll see them tomorrow and be like look i'm really sorry i thought it was really funny at the time you hadn't said anything so i kept pushing and so for me like yeah just uh, be nice to your friends. <laughs> know when to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the man, there's a good, healthy relationship that someone can, when they're not happy or you push too far, yeah. that they can text you. And, yeah. and even on your end, like knowing, oh, shucks, yeah. shucks, I don't realize. Because this is all part of growth and developing as a team. And, yeah. and I believe, like, anyone who I call, like, my friend, my friend, I would hope that they yeah. would find me approachable enough to say, like, hey, dude, you screwed me over today. Like, yeah. you shouldn't be doing that. Because if I'm not held accountable, how am I going to know? Mm. So I'm glad that I'm surrounded by people who, like, remind me of, like, my downfalls. 
Because, you know, you sometimes you get so carried away on your journey that, like, I'm doing everything great. I'm doing sweet. Yeah, yeah. That you forget that you can hurt people's feelings without intending to. And so, mm. yeah, it's important to look after those relationships. It's good, man. It's good, it's good. It's good role modeling as well. You, know, you could have been defensive and say, this is just a joke, man. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah, yeah. Get over it. But um, it's cool that you, yeah, you kind of take ownership and say, hey, man, you're so pro. Yeah. Dude, what, what, what was it? What was the stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to make it worse. <laughs> there must be some times, though, where you're like, bro, it wasn't that bad. Like, it just in your mind, but then for the, for the greater good and for the sake of the relationship. Uh, or do you always just, you don't own up to it unless you feel? Or yeah. Well, just the way, just the relationship I have with my, my friends and stuff, it's always like, if they have to bring it up, then I know I've pushed it too far. But for the most part, they know intentions are always good. Intentions are always good. It's always, you know, let's see you can get the funniest joke in. So if I'm ever getting a message like, hey, look, that wasn't cool, just means that I've pushed it too far. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like, I never think that, like, man, shucks, I shouldn't have done that. Because I know for the most part, they, they're they happy. They're good, mm. you know. So to get that message today, I realised, like, okay, there's that line. Try not to cross it next time. Have you ever been on the flip side Where someone said something That's sort of triggered Or kind of like Heaps of times Yeah (laughs) Heaps of times Um, And just I think the way my I think the way that I am I'll only bring it up If I feel like I really need to Besides from that I'm like Suck it up You know I've had hidings before It doesn't doesn't bother me that much But yeah I think it's important to call out And not necessarily just in workplace But I think in our family lives too And our friends When people Hide disrespect as jokes, because you, know? mm. you can always feel the intention of somebody's jokes, yeah. and it's something someone's do all the time. We just joke. We see he's got the funniest joke. You always know when someone's saying like disrespecting you in a joke. You can just feel it. So it's always important. Like once you feel that, call it out, or just let them know like nicely somewhere quiet. Like hey, oh you're being a rude dude for doing that, bro. So yeah, I think I'm lucky enough that I can take a joke. Even if it's quite bad, but yeah, once it comes through as a form of like pure disrespect, just yeah, say something. It, it must play on your psyche, hey, 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 also, not just you, but um, in terms of if, if we do, like I don't know, we may cross that line, and then you feel like, oh man, I can't really check around this guy anymore or around this person anymore. I just, especially on on radio, um, also in terms of like, oh, I can't really say this joke, or I have to be very cautious this time around. Does it play on your psyche in terms of um, sharing your jokes now? Mm. Um, not so much psyche, but you learn to be a bit more careful, you know. So if you realize that that's somebody's line, you just got to respect that's their line. You know, you can't go over that line. And I think it's just about having good enough relationships with people that you know. Okay, cool. That's how far I can go. Let's not push past it because you got to, you know, you have to respect them. That's that's as much as they can handle. You know, it's good. It's good, man. Yeah. I, I resonate with her heaps because, man, I've been last out. <laughs> and we're a school of mockers, yeah. bro. So you get like thick skin, you know? Get yeah. thick yeah. skin. And, so, and sometimes when you're, you know, mocking, but, you know, it's good intent. Like, there's, it's never malicious. You never, like, mock the obvious, I guess. But, um, you know, but they, they you get carried mean. away. But yeah. my thing is, like, I've learned. Like over the years that uh, I've uh, appreciated people that have like um, pulled me up on it. And then I'm like, okay, sweet. 
Sorry, Desmond, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's my boundaries. I never meant to hurt you like that. For me, it's like what what gets me a bit um, sad or angry is that when I hear other people that um, come up to me and say, "Hey, you shouldn't have done that," or like someone that wasn't even there said, "This person has gone and told someone told else," people, or yeah. caught up people, or have cut me off, or. Um, never raised the issue with me, but all good to go tell someone else yeah. about it, and that's where I find that. Like, oh, shucks. Do you reckon that's just disrespectful, or do you think they just like didn't have the balls to come and talk to you man to man or you know, person to person? I don't know. Eh? It's other. I know because I I feel like if I'm in a good relationship with someone, man, I've talk uh, to me. Come talk to me, like, and not you know, you know my heart, like, and so I always like think, oh, you must be going through something, or there's probably been an issue that's been there for a long time, and then <laughs> what I said was like the, what do you call it, the oh. straw on the camel's yeah, back, yeah, yeah. you know, and so it was like a Chris Rock, Will Smith moment, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then it, um, when it never gets addressed with me, it's like, oh shucks. You know me, like, I would never do anything that would, like, really hurt you. So, yeah, I find that, but that's that's something I'm having to learn, too. Like, okay, i got to make sure I'm careful with what I'm saying. This episode's not supposed to be about <laughs> me, but uh, I really <laughs> no, 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 but I think you're right. It's just conversation, man. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're, I think I you're right. You know, And so one of the things I've learned, like, you know, doing things like that is understanding that people are allowed to feel a certain way. Yeah. Even if oh, I don't yeah, agree yeah, with yeah. it. You gotta let them like. Well, that's how you feel. Well, I'm sorry, that's how you feel. Mm. It's not my intention. Some people don't like. Yeah, why are you feeling like that for? That's not what I mean. You know, yeah, now you've yeah, been a yeah. sookie bubble. So it's just kind of you know understanding that people are allowed to. You don't have to validate it, but they're allowed to feel however yeah. they feel on the certain situations. And we need to normalize like just man putting yeah. you up for it. Like, Say it to my face, bro. Say it to my face. Because if you're gonna be tell telling the other guys, yeah, <laughs> this way we have a problem, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't want the smoke. I went to your last. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was gonna ask like, how do you pull someone out on that? Because me personally, I've always been the type to. I'll either go too far because it's just a defense mechanism because I don't want the attention on me and yeah. like. Or I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Like I'll try and break it neutrally, but then go away, and I'm like, bro, stuff that guy. Like, but then I'll just I'll let it fester in my head. I'm sorry, because I don't know how. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but then like me. I don't know anyone that's called, or at least I've never seen it personally where someone's called someone and be like, hey, bro, that's not cool. Yeah. So I've always just been curious, like, how does that? I don't know. Is there a scenario that you can think of where that's happened, or how do you even start to call? Because I'm always worried about being like, bro, you're you got offended, but you're soft, G. So I think that's part of why I've always been hesitant to like speak up, even though I know a joke's like, bro, that's not. Uh, all. But I'm just yeah. like, oh nah. Yeah. Um, scenarios wise, I'm still learning that. I'm still learning that with like people around me. Um, I can only speak on like my relationship with my siblings. I pull them up all the time, and I'll just text them. I text them or just give them a call. Let them say what they want to say. And I'll be like, actually, you're just being a sook. Actually, you're you're wrong here, you know. So for me, if it does come down to that, just set them aside somewhere private, you know, or just give them a phone call, one-on-one, have that conversation. Um, and I've even been lucky enough to have a conversation similar like that to my mom, you know. So talking to my mom and letting her know, like, mom, that's not cool, mom. You know, that's kind of 
maybe try a different approach, you know. And so had I never told her, she might have never known. You know? So for me, it's I always would rather have a one-on-one conversation with a person if I feel like something's needs to be addressed. Yeah. Which I think, honestly, that's probably the normal approach. Anyone who calls you out in front of everyone else, <laughs> attention seeker, you know, or they just want to show like, yeah, big dog, you know, which I don't. Some some cases maybe it's needed, but for the most part, just you know, take them to the side somewhere. Talk talk to them one on one first. You know, try to resolve the problem like that. It's good. Also. I agree. I agree. I think you know sometimes it is best to kind of put them put them to the side and say, "Hey, man, that's that's not cool, bro." Yeah. But I've had instances where people have done it for me in public, like they've fucking bar me or shamed me in public. Mm. Oh, and that's something you know. For me personally, I think, man, if you're gonna shame me publicly, you know what? You're gonna get it publicly. Yeah. You know, because it's it's not cool. You know, it's so yeah. If you're gonna do like, you know, you have these conversations and do something, and oh, let's do it gone a bit far, gone a bit too far. Then no, I'll pull you to the side, hey, bro, not cool. Um, and and I, I, I've lived by that. I've have this is people say, oh, just say something, some rule, and you know, like you're saying like what you're saying, Jay. You know, when the energy changes, when it's like, oh, this guy's not joking now. This guy's trying to hurt me or, or yeah. trying to. So you know the energy. So if they're gonna pull you up like that, bro, um, for me personally, man, just you tell them straight up. And publicly, if they're gonna do publicly, you tell them publicly. Run it, yeah, same energy. Yeah, and so it's not cool. Let them know because, you know, because if you don't do that, they think, oh, sweet, I can just keep doing it. Mm. Yeah, but um, but for the most part, yeah, I think it's it's always good just to put them to the side. Yeah. So um, yeah, let's let's just run it, run it, run it, run it tomorrow. <laughs> run it tomorrow. <laughs> straight, bro. I'm just trying to be like um, because I'm. A, you know, you, I'm a youth worker by trade, and yeah. <laughs> I remember my first year in high school, um, working in the high school, and I remember someone was taking me a tour around the school, and I'm new, and then I remember they, these kids, they were, like, all around um, in a group, and they saw me walking past, and they get, whoa, hey, what's up, Stoney? <laughs> and I was like, oh, but all those boys are laughing, like, yeah, you see smoke with your dad, and then everyone would go, whoa, and he almost, like, was gonna come in? I was like, yeah, then come in. <laughs> so I was thinking about that. What well, you talking about? Those kids that you were teaching us. So like, they're only kids, man. The same kid. The same kid. Damn. Sorry, Shucks. Telling all these stories that I put away, thought I was healed from, and <laughs> that's what it's about. I want to hear all the stories, bro. Right, man. So podcast for share the stories. Oh man. It's cool having these conversations because the some of these stuff that part of our upbringing, but shucks, we haven't really talked about it much, eh? mm. and so it's cool. Hey, well, radio. When you said like you thought it was easy, um, how did you find it? Like when you did get into it, terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible. When I was out in school, so I'm like trying to sneak here. When I was out in radio school, I remember the teacher was like, "Can't talk like that." You can't talk like because I used to get on the radio because we had a like a fake radio station down there, and so we used to jump on. We had like a hour show that you had to do by yourself, and I used to get on like Ashe, what's going on? <laughs> Ashe, what's going on? It's big Azza here. Like you're listening to this radio station. Here's a song by One Four, and I you know, play all the songs I like. And I remember the principal sat me down and he's the most important thing about radio is communication. So you cannot speak like that. And I remember just being like. Oh, so I can't have to, I have to talk like good morning, welcome to this radio station where this is the next song playing. And so um I was lucky enough that I had Nixon's number, Nixon from YFM and I remember I called him and I was like, Hey look, my you know, can you be my mentor type thing? This is what my principal's telling me. And he was like, Don't listen to that guy, you know. 
radio stations don't hire you because you're good at speaking. They hire you for your character. And from then on, I realized like, I'm just going to say SA whenever I want, you know, even if I like fail a, if I fail a thing, a paper, because they, they listen to you, they air check you. And um, when I told him, I stopped saying SA, but I just like try to speak more, like just sound like myself yeah. instead of trying to sound like a radio jockey. Um, I actually got better. Uh, the principal also agreed. He was like, man, you're sounding a lot better. And it's just simply on that, just being myself. And so it was hard at first trying to learn the rules. And then when I learned them enough that I could break them, became fun, became easier. So now, like, I'm lucky I'm at a place where they allow us to try push our boundaries a little bit more, you know, be a bit, have a bit more fun on, on the station. So, yeah, radio, what I thought was easy, was hard. Now it's kind of, you know, just second nature. It's good, man. What's, what's so special about um, UFM to you? Man, it's very simple. This is my boss. Shout out my boss, Louis. Um, when I left radio school, they're like, here's all the contacts, up to you to get a job. And at that point, um, I was working construction. I was like, I don't want to do construction. I don't want to do part-time. I want to do radio full-time. And so I approached three different places. I won't say where. Um, but the other two places were like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you on. Also, we'll get you on. Like, come work on the streets. Like, do the street team stuff. I'm like, cool. And um, New FM gave me a spot on the weekend. I'm like, man, I'd rather just do the weekends. Like, I'll just do that. So I was working construction during the weekend. And the weekends, I'd do radio. And over time, you know, they started giving me more shifts. And then one day, he was, uh, Louis was like, you can, you can engineer in. I was like, yeah, I know. YouTube. Everything for like two weeks. I just sat there and COVID, COVID happened. So I was in the office by myself. And then so they're like, you got to do this, this, this. And so I was there every day just on YouTube learning how to plug mics and stuff, you know. So um, New Film will always have a special place in my heart because I grew up listening to Nate and Jandals, you know. And then at that moment in my life when I wanted to become a radio host, it was Nate and Nixon, which reminded me of New Film. So um, I will, you know, I love that place as much. I'm allowed to make some cool choices there, some cool decisions. Uh, recently, we did something called the Rookie Class Cipher, which was a, my idea that I've been allowed to bring to life. But pretty much it's just local talent, you know, up-and-comers, giving them a platform to say, like, these are your up-and-comers for this year. And so people get to look at that and be like, man, all these kids, you know, they're going to be successful in the next four or five years, maybe the next two, three years. But it's cool to have, you know, a chance for me. I, I have a place where I can go and, create content and give people platforms and just have fun you know just listen to our people on the radio too yeah yeah mm. and meet them i've got to meet a lot of my you know idols and stuff and now they're my friends so it's cool love it also That's me. yeah, yeah. Right. just you know just a thought comes came to mind also in terms of your voice obviously you're you're the voice of you know of many listeners people listening and there's a lot of um just impact and influencing um, those who are listening on, on, especially when you're on, on on your segment, do you feel any pressure? Well, not pressure, but I think do, do you feel an obligation to like, oh, and I, I'm I'm influencing all these people, and there's this there's something that I always have to kind of uphold. Is, is, is there some sort of obligation in, in that sense? To an extent, sure. Um, every radio station has a target audience. They have to make sure that they're catering to. Um, personally, I just try to talk to people who are like myself. You know, young dads. And I always just try to be honest to my own conversation because if by being honest to myself and what I'm, what my truth is, there's guaranteed a lot of other people in my same same position as me. 
So my duty is just to be myself so that they can relate and be like, man, this guy also got hidings. Man, that's cool, man. You know, I'm going to listen to him some more. And that's it. That's that's my only duty is just to be honest to myself and with what I, yeah, and what I'm talking about on radio. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's kind of like a, you have to, it's kind of like a bit of a, a duty of care when you when you're on on the radio and, and so forth. It's just, it's just I can imagine just in, in your your mind and your mindset like you just have to. It's like a kind of like a, a switch, like a button, like you switch on and just is a, a persona, a persona when you're on on the radio. Kind of, yeah. Um. I've always been told it's best not to have a persona on radio. I've always been told like the best thing you can be on radio is just yourself. But actually trying to be yourself, like have our, like before we're saying oh, off podcast conversation, trying to have those conversations live on air is one of the hardest things to do because you feel pressure that people are listening to you. So I'm like, man, I got to sound smart, got to sound good. But honestly, it's just trying to be yourself is, is kind of the main, I won't say burden, but that's kind of the, the thing you want to achieve in radio. It's just like to be able to, if we were to remove, remove the mics, what conversation would we have here at this table? Same as radio. Yeah. Cool, man. Awesome. And I remember when Nixon was on, he had talked about being on radio and how it was like, he had mentioned something similar in terms of like being yourself, but he was saying that like on radio, it's like yourself plus GST, like you plus 15%. Yeah. Like, but other than that, like you don't really, it's just extra facets of yourself, but like slightly turned up. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so I was just going to ask, it sounds like that's kind of, what it's like being on air. Um, and then I was going to ask, how do you actually balance everything that you have going on in your life? Because it sounds like you have a lot with parenthood, music, mahi. Yeah, like how do you balance it all out Dad. and not burn out? <laughs> I've said this before and I can say it again. Um, I don't balance very well and I'm still learning how to do it. I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better at it. But I think, you know, there's a certain time when you just overcommit. And a lot of times mm. it's to your mates, you know, so you're just like... Shucks, what did I say I was going to do? I was going to say yes to that, you know. So um, when it comes to balance itself, I think people always say prioritise. But honestly, I wouldn't be able to give good advice on balance because I don't do it very well. So if anyone else has good advice on balance, please let me know because I just work, sometimes sleep for three, four hours, which is bad. Mr. Jim, you know, forget to pick my kid up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's a clear indicator that the balance is off, very off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out soon, bro. You know, ask me in about five years. <laughs> uh, remember these days, getting the call. Did you pick up uh, my son? Okay. What? I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm on my, oh, yeah. I'm almost, okay, I'm almost there. And I'm just leaving the place that I'm... <laughs> so, yeah. Don't feel... Balance your, your figure it out. Also, yeah. What works for you. And yeah. you're just in the season of grinding and... Yeah. Um, also, like, your contour, man, he's me trying to give someone like you. But yeah, if I'm talking to the young me, like, um, man, you'll find, like, how important it is to look after yourself, like, looking at ways, because you might, because you're on the season of grinding, man, it's easy to get burnt out, and you don't want to be that guy that has the, you know, the lot, oh, my gosh, what's that term? That straw on camel's back, like, Something might happen to you, or yeah, but you'll figure it out. And cause Pete, I always call Pete and ask for advice, and he's such a grinder, hustler, and he's given me s s some of the good advice to slow down. Eels, nah, yeah, you man. haven't. Eh? <laughs> 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 Wait for the ticks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> 
That's why it sounds random, but I've always found that because I I'm the same, bro. Like I struggle, overcommit all the time, yeah. like imbalance, sometimes burnout. Um, but I've always found that at least maybe it's just me justifying to myself why it's like, oh no, all good, all good. But um, like we all have our own rhythm of chaos. Like everyone's rhythm to life is different, and like the way that you do it, no one can do it the way that you do it. But you've found a way to make it work, even though it may look imbalanced to others. It balances for you. Yeah. Yeah, or you find yeah, a way yeah. to balance it. At least that's what I'm telling myself to say. You just saying that just made me realise, like, I said something like trying to encourage him, but I realised, oh man, wait, everything's quite chaotic at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and so what you said is like, it made, made so much sense in terms of like all our rhythm of... Controlled chaos. Controlled mm. chaos. Yeah. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah. 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 See, he didn't thank you to me. Oh, thank you also as well. He's gonna text you now. He's gonna <laughs> hey, also remember that conversation we had. Not happy. Eh? <laughs> but that's cool. Something about it, eh? We just like I, at least for myself. Like I just find myself justifying all the time yeah that's the way it's meant to be or like things will fall into place and i don't know if that's like we were talking a little bit about church before and and culture and sometimes in particular with someone culture i remember growing up thinking they were one and the same yeah so like i didn't like church which meant i didn't like someone culture and vice versa um and i don't know if there's like aspects like do you find are there aspects to someone culture that hold people back or hold yourself back um or do you think that for the majority of it or all of it like it's all positive for someone culture damn that's deep that one that's mm. real deep um i don't know if i can answer it i don't know like i don't know if anything holds us back i think there's old traditions which you know a lot of the elderly want us to follow but it doesn't work in the modern world for us you know and so trying to find a way to make it work might hinder the journey, but I think it's different for everyone. I don't, if you let it hold you back, it's going to hold you back. Some people thrive with it, you know, and I've seen people who thrive, just do really great. They're my guy and they're a lawyer and they're everything. Like, oh, good for you, bro. Like, you know, so for some people, man, you know, having that culture part aspect of their life really pushes them forward. For some, it holds us back. How that looks for you, that's on you and like the decisions you make. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it, there's a like particular aspect that holds anybody back, but for me personally, no, nah, I think I think I'm all right. Yeah, I try to learn where I can. I'm really lazy sometimes. But, and if know. someone asked you what's the most beautiful aspect of salmon culture, what would you say? Come on, else too many stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> way too many stuff. I know we I know Samoa has a really rich language. It's very rich. Um, yeah. That and just I think the humility side of our, our culture is really beautiful. Sometimes it can be like you know, sometimes there's that thing that exists called you know toxic humility. But for the most part, we're pretty just you know we're good. We're, we're nice and humble. That's what I like. And then yeah, then the food <laughs> and the food. <laughs> I, I might have to be honest. The Tongans make some really good food though. So we might lose that one out to the Tongans. <laughs> come on, come on, maybe, come on, maybe, man. come on, <laughs> come on, maybe. Have you seen the way they make fit? Oh, shucks, is it amazing? 
Oh, wow. They call it Ficky. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Still tastes good. Ficky. Oh, medals. Because you've got your hands on so many things, and, and obviously there's a lot of goals you have. Which one? If you had to choose right now, which one out of those goals that you have going for you, which one would be the one like, you know what, this is probably the one that's I'm going to go, and this is the one that's the most important to me? <coughs> Sorry. Damn. Maybe music. Maybe music. Music is going to help me through dark places and it's also helped me through you know celebrating stuff that i've been proud for so i might just if i had to choose one thing i'd choose music because i can work from home and wake up at 12 o'clock <laughs> <laughs> and work late at night you know whereas radio you gotta wake up at you know, 4 30 3 30 whatever to get ready for a 6 a.m shift so yeah pretty awesome bro because we know there's, there's a lot of people here who have outlandish goals and like this is what I want to do and you have artists who say man I want to win, I want to win a Grammy I want to do yeah. this and that but what's your goal what's what's the ultimate goal for um, the Western Guide man I, I always tell myself this and my main goal is that whatever I'm chasing like whatever it is in life I just want my daughter to know that her dad chased his dream as far as he could yeah and he never gave up that's it. my goal in life is just to do that. Whatever I decide to pursue, whether it's music, whether it's radio, whether it's acting, anything, my main goal is to look back and see my daughter. Right? You know, I tried, so you should try your best too. That's it. That's my main goal in life is just to. You know. My dad, I hate him, but he tried his best. You know, because <laughs> like, no doubt, you know that saying was like, whatever you do to your parents comes back tenfold worse. You know, so. I'm like, yeah, cool. If I was riffing with my dad around my teen years, I'd expecting it to come back around. <laughs> my, my daughter's older, so I'm like, as long as she knows that her dad chases his dreams. That's it's cool, man. Yeah. It's cool. I feel like your um, dream chaser too, and I like how you're involved in heaps of different things, but I don't know. I don't know you personally, but it just feels like, man, this is just the beginning. Thank and you. It'll be cool to see you in a couple of years and what comes up terms of like um your goals and dreams and yeah. hopefully you keep on pushing bro and you know you got someone that's watching you yeah. and there's aliens hey? there's aliens <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope they never come back bro i can shower in peace now <laughs> but it sounds like well, whatever you put your mind to you you'll do it because man just hearing that story about man the engineering you go yep yeah so it was, it was a nice little cheat that one and yeah. then you just go in yeah i i Left out the part where I studied music in high school, so I knew how to turn on mics. But I think the engineering side of things, man, that was a whole new, yeah. a whole new like world for me. Um, and so, just trying to understand like technical aspects of stuff was so hard. And to this day, I don't call myself an engineer because I don't think I have the right qualifications for it, and I don't think I can like engineer a whole big studio, but. To get my foot into the door on the radio, I had to learn just enough about engineering and making commercials that I, you know, was good. It was good enough. And then I slowly moved into hosting, which is my original goal. So I think it's always just, you know, the journey, the journey changes sometimes. But as long as you have the goal in mind, as long as you're just hungry and staying focused and you're sweet. Yeah. Well, is it a matter of like faking it to make it or is it like, man, just say yes and then figure it out after? Both, both, both a good, like mm. maybe a nice balanced combination of both. Um, 
definitely faked it. You know, I don't think I've made it yet, but I definitely faked it to get into that position. But also, like, when I think about my early days in radio, I was a yes man. Anything, yeah, 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 cool. I'll do that. I'll do that. Mm. That way, it was like it was a faster way to learn the, everything in the business. So, you know, the street side of the business, you learn the programming side, the engineering side, the promotional side, and so I was able to learn all of that within like a year and a half to the point where I'm like, cool, I know radio now. But it's just because I said yes to everything, mm. and sure, I faked it, but I also just like gave it a good shot. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Because I know some people, myself especially, like, you know, we're prone to say yes, but as people pleasers. But it's just interesting to hear the other side of, like, saying yes, but for the sake of learning. Like, just to learn the ins and outs. And I, you said something really cool before about, like, it was really hard when you're, you know, hard to learn the rules, but you have a lot of fun when it comes to, like, bending and breaking them. Yeah. Um. So just big ups on just the resilience. Um. You Thank sort you of inspired too. a thought about, like, you know, people say some doors open, some doors close. Um, and just seeing your journey, it's clear that some of those doors that were about to close only stayed open because you put your foot in the door yeah. um, and you made the most of that opportunity. So I just think it's really cool that you've been able to like have the courage to put it out there and then just run with it yeah. and not look back. Or maybe look back but in, in terms of just reflection, but just really go hard. Of course. And I think it's important to just try things. And I remember I was listening to you guys and... Um, Viola's chat and there was part of his chat where he was just like man he just wants to try and do whatever you know just experiment you might get it wrong people might think you're mad at it but if you try it you never know you you know you might be great at it and so like I've been pretty fortunate enough that a lot of the things that I've tried has worked out well you know so on top of being a radio host I do music um I do voice acting as well I do acting you know I've yet to become a rugby player Maybe I'll get an acting role that allows me to be a rugby player, then I'll be all right. But, you know, it's. I think for me, my main thing is just like, see how it goes. Just give it a crack. You know, I might be great. It might be terrible. And that's just, you know, I think if you take it too seriously, like, oh, man, I sucked at it. It's like, yeah, you sucked at it. Move on. Like, next thing. Mm. So I think it's important to acknowledge that there might be some things you're not good at. And it's just a reality because you cannot be good at everything. Mm. And anyone who thinks they're good at everything, hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Just stuck there, mate. And is there stuff that you still want to experiment with and try? Lots of stuff. Yeah, lots of stuff. Um, I still want to try being a chef. You know, I still want to open a restaurant. I might cheat it. Want to just get really famous and then you know buy a restaurant and then get them to cook for me. But you know, um, I still want to be a chef. I gave wrestling a crack last year. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. It hurt, but I still want to give that a you know a oh. go as well. Um. Voice acting, still love doing that. I do that on the side and I'd like to do more of it. Um, bodybuilding, another side quest. I got really good at it last year and then I realised it's so much work for almost no return. You know, mm. So, yeah. A lot of things. And yeah, that, I'll cool. probably get to it at some point, but right now it's like, yeah, okay, I'll just do these things that I'm doing now. Then move on to something else later on. Yeah. Might be a coach one day. Shazam, Catch my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you try? <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Also, man, it's, it's been, it has been very, really enlightening. Also, in terms of, and you are, you're very highly motivated, really highly, just real, real a go getter. And I think what I'm taking out of our conversation, our Talanoa tonight, is that I, I love it that you. You didn't kind of like wave and say, hey, man, I might have to change my style, my my genre. I might have to stop this bilingual um, 
um, music. And I love it that you said full throttle and said, you know what, I, I back myself, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, regardless of the trolls. And you, and you know, you know, you got to get the trolls regardless. But you still back yourself and, you, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you're staying in, in, this, in this space. And so, bro, oh, man, my Lord, love us, so you fools. Thank you, also. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Proud of you, man. Proud of the work you're doing, man. And still young, still such, such a very, very young man, but um, very driven. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of our, our, our the, the listeners and viewers are going to be really inspired and just, man. And this guy is—he's—he's he's doing, he's doing some great stuff. Hey, to to anyone who's listening right now, I may seem really driven, but just remember, there's—you're allowed to take days off. Okay, there's there's days where I'm just like, yep, I'm gonna wake up at twelve, watch Netflix, and eat chips in my bed, you know. And there's a lot of days that I doubt my abilities. A lot of days that I have imposter syndrome. My main thing is feel it, you know, allow the emotion to pass through your body. After that, acknowledge what happened, see if it's something you need to work on, move on. That's it. That's kind of how I just go about my life, you know. So right now, I'm in like a transitioning phase with everything that I'm doing. And so just evaluating what needs to change so that I can move on and do new things or just be better at what I'm currently doing. Mm. Yeah. So every day is different. Every day is not going to be great. Just try to find good things in each day. One highlight every day. Surely. Surely. That's <laughs> cool, man. It's cool. I love that. The attitude and um, I love the chillness about it, yeah. but the, I don't know if that's just the way we're conversating yeah. in terms of being chill about it. But um, I just, yeah, so cool. I think it might be really encouraging for our youngins out there that want to pursue um, the next war, what they want to get into, and you know, the whole area around expectation, man. Yeah. The expectation of being a young person, expectation of being a PK, yeah. pastors' kids get it the hard a lot, yeah, yeah. Just, and just yeah, so many other expectations. But it just seems like a lot of that stuff has really built you to um, to the person that you are today, and like it's really built this. Um, sounds like it's really built this resilience in you, yeah. and it's really exciting because man. And I, I don't want to sound condescending, like man, you're so you know you're young, but it's cool. Like there's so much yeah. more that over these next few years that can evolve in. Yeah, so no, that's thank really you cool, also. man. Thank you so really much. Appreciate, yeah. um, man. The Stella Noor, so yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> if I can quickly touch on like expectations one more yeah. time, and this one will be a bit like deep. Yeah. If you allow yourself to be consumed by what people expect of you. It could be really bad for your health. So, myself, when I was younger, as a teen, like I was so consumed in what I th- like, what people thought of myself, that I actually realized, like at that point in time, I thought I just wasn't good enough. You know, so to the point that it drove me to like uh, a suicide attempt. And I've had two in my life. The, the the first one, very funny. I shouldn't say it's funny, but it's funny when I think about it because the whole process, like I felt like a victim at the time. But when I look back and think about the problems that I had, it was something really small. And, you know, so when I when I finally let go of, like, understanding that I'm not going to live up to people's expectations and the only expectations that should matter is my own, I finally realised that I'll never go back to that place. But, I, you know, and that's just because I went to those places, to, that, that place twice, because I allowed other people's voice and other people's expectation to project on me mm. and I held it on for, for too long. So if you're out there and you're feeling alone and if you're feeling like you, you aren't good enough, you're feeling like 
nothing's ever going to work out. Just forget what everyone else is thinking, what everyone else is doing. Just focus on yourself. Even if it's just, you know, I used to go on coffee dates alone every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock and that helped me slowly change my path into being self-aware and also just, you know, just figuring out things out. And I don't think anyone's any fully ever fully self-aware, but at least you try. Just be nice to yourselves. Anyone who's listening, just, you know, whether you're 60, 70, it's always good to be nice to yourself. I know. Well, Zeros. Shucks. Thanks for the sharing there. It was like, yeah. Sorry. I I would go into detail, but it'll cause some trigger because I'll laugh about it. I'll laugh about it. Yeah. You know, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nah, thanks for sharing that also. Yeah. Yeah, man. But even to get to that point where, because like people who've gone through stuff like that, you can make peace with it, but then to make peace, really make peace (laughs) with it where you can laugh about it. Like, yeah. I know, like, you know, it can trigger some people, but I just think for you to get to that point where absolute acceptance yeah. and like analysis of what led up to it and then seeing, I'm assuming like the ridiculous side of it, like how could I, I can't believe I was at that stage where I took on everyone's yeah. expectations and, um, and you know, we all know that that's something that sort of, you know, affects people in our community yeah. um, quite a lot. So I, I know it's, Although it's a sensitive topic, I'm really great, uh, grateful and, and glad that you were able to come out of it and of hopefully find some silver lining in there that's obviously helped influence yeah. other aspects of your life. Yeah, um, man, because when I have conversations like this with anybody, that always comes up and it really surprises me how many people have attempted. And I'm like, you never seem like you would have done that. And so for me, like, I know there's this thing about normalizing that conversation, but I always feel like that conversation needs to be had in like, on a one-on-one or like a closed group or like just between people because you know you can advocate as much as you want people in that space don't want to talk to anyone you know and they're not going to go listen to something to make make themselves feel better they kind of just want to have a one-on-one conversation with yeah with someone who even if you don't understand someone who will listen because you don't have to understand someone's problem to listen just listen and let them speak Good advice. That's good advice. Do you think there's a link between like, and this might sound like an obvious answer, but do you think there's a link between like expectations and one's ego? Um, I've always just found that like when I struggled with people's expectations or it's like because hidden inside there's an ego of like, bro, I should be the man. Like I should be able to carve all of this up and yet somehow I'm struggling and I don't know why I can't live up to these expectations because I feel like on my best day, I can absolutely nail it, but not every day is my best day. Yeah. No, I, th- I absolutely think there's a link between, like, um, having an ego and, you know, telling yourself you can do something when in reality you should probably tell yourself that you're not that good at it, you know, and then be able to accept that. Yeah. Damn, that's never thought of that <laughs> cool, cool. I, never, I just always blamed it on expectations to be honest so it's good it's a nice like refresher to hear that yeah I think I'm yeah. still sort of finding my way with that so I think that's why it sort of came to mind yeah no, that's cool. ego is definitely a it's a funny topic not a lot of people people always say ego is bad I like to think having an ego to a certain extent is good because it's confidence right it's being able to be confident in yourself. And so people sometimes mistaken someone who's really confident in themselves as ego. 
And so I think there's a certain amount of ego you should possess so that you can back yourself, you can look after yourself, put yourself in spaces you know that you can be in. And then there's ego that's just like, yep, that's enough, come down. <laughs> You've had it too much. Yeah. Which actually, listening to it, sounds like a bit tall poppy vibes, but... <laughs> there are some egos that need to be controlled. <laughs> they get out of control. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, it was like, didn't want to address it, but in terms of like you coming out of those attempts, yeah. like um, what were some of the the supports that helped you get out of it? Like, was it more time to reflect? To get away Or were there certain people That helped you navigate um, Some of your emotions Did you seek help I seeked help <laughs> One time I called one of those helplines Yeah Terrible I never okay. did it again It was like Hold the line And I was on there for an hour Someone will be with you soon I was like bro If someone was on the verge Of like just collapsing This is not the thing to do But both times I was I kind of had to look after myself you know, and then later on in the journey, I started to talk to people about it and they helped me out. But immediately after or like, you know, after the both attempts, I kind of just looked after myself for a bit, just reminded myself like, and you have a reason to be here. Like, you're solid. I used to say that to myself all the time. Nah, it was your solid. Wake up in the morning, look in the mirror. Gee, you're solid. You know, and so over time, just those little like affirmations just happened to work for me. You know, I told myself like, man, no one's perfect. Don't listen to anyone. And that was it. Um... Yeah, that's why when I think back to it now, I'm like, this guy, this guy was just having a big cry and just was a bit dramatic. But yeah, that's kind of my journey out of that. Yeah, and then to just understanding how to not actually put too much weight on other people's, you know, expectations on you. Just to know that it's there. Cool, good for you. You know, got my own expectations to worry about. Yeah, And even though you look back and you think, man, this guy, you think of like looking at it now, it's like that was small, yeah. but in that moment, like our level of crisis is huge. different, it's huge, yeah. and so that would have been massive for you yeah. during that time. And so, whoever's going through some hard times now, you know, this is a perfect example of like, man, if you hold on, you know, yeah. you, if you you know there's purpose in your life that one day when you can look back, you'll be like, oh shucks, yeah. I've built this resilience, you know, there's so much, there is light at the end of the tunnel and, that, um, yeah, there's people there that can support you and just too shall pass, yeah. you know. And so, and man, life's not easy. We'll always have our ups and downs and, of course. and so it's cool that we get to like openly talk about these things. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I think it's, yeah, I don't mind talking about it because yeah. I made peace with it. I yeah. just know that like, when some people listen to it, they're yeah. like, Tolay, that's, that's a bit insensitive, yeah. right? You know? And I'd, I'd laugh about it all the time. But I think it is important just to like share that that stuff happens. And it's probably happened to someone you love. And mm. it might be someone, you know, you'd probably never guess. But it's definitely happened to people around you. And it's just important to just check in on yourself as well. Like check in on yourself. Take yourself on a, <coughs> sorry, on a, on a date. Just go have coffee with yourself. I had a little journal. Used to write like, yo, mean shoes today. <laughs> like real silly stuff like that, you know, like, oh man, this coffee sucks. Not coming back to this place, you know. And so starting that internal conversation, that internal dialogue with yourself is really important just for for a safe space because your safe space is inside your, you know, in your mind. And if, that, if that's chaotic and that's not looked after, man, you're going to be projecting to a lot of people that you care about. 
and quite possibly be, you know, not a good person or just yeah. make bad decisions, I guess. Skittles. Isn't it interesting also that, you know, even in the midst of you know, your, your your darkest times or darkest, darkest periods that you, we are, we, we're quite resourceful, eh? We're yeah. quite resourceful and we are quite resilient. And many times we do have the answer to 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 our, our, our problems and our, our issues. Yeah. And so, bro, hello, hello, sweet four. That's good, bro. That's good. I, I like that. And I like that, um, like you were saying, Charles, there might be people who are listening and, and watching this and man, but realise that, hey, you have that power within. You have the answers to a lot of your, your trauma and a lot of your issues. So, yeah, appreciate that. Uh, it's all good. It's, you know, I think the platform here and the space that you guys have created, <coughs> sorry, between us is, you know, it's a, it's a good place to share that sort of information, especially for myself, you know, who I can openly talk about it because it's something that I've accepted that is in my past and I can never change that. So the only thing I can do with it is just to be accepting of it and accept and be grateful that it didn't fall through. I think you said something really important as well, um, also. Is it chicken? Yeah, it's um, you know we have th- those who are in the right frame of mind. They have the, they have the capacity to check in on on those who may yeah. be having those thoughts. And so you know, I think for all of us, you know, if we really care, and there's a bit of bit of aroha, a bit of alofa or afi. Yeah, you know, it's it's important that we as a community, we as a people, or even as a nation, just check in, check in on on your fellow man. Absolutely, absolutely, mm. just that. That was full stop on the end of that statement. <laughs> Man, it's so awesome to hear you just talk so openly about rock bottom and the blessings that come from that. Um, it, it sort of inspired a thought um, about how sometimes they are absolutely blessings in disguise. And I remember one time you had talked about a three guys car park and how <laughs> now that's a place where like, you know, graffiti art is being showcased and like yeah. lots of art in the community is being showcased. And um, on a recent project, um, I heard that you had pitched more than six times to get funding. Um, and so I was just curious about the, because there's a determination there, like you seem so easygoing and so chill. I don't know why, but the term, and I did this because I got told that I was this on a, on a questionnaire thing, but the term like sensible drifter comes to mind where like, you're so laid back where you're, you're able to go with the flow and see things, but also you're able to make decisions when the, when the situation calls for it. Um, and so I was just curious about, um, you, you know, your learning from persevering and still applying for that funding um, and then the second part of that is the importance of finding the right talent um, for a project because Therese Laulu is, is a friend and um, she was we caught up at little abs and she had mentioned like you gotta get this guy on mandate um, and so just I'm curious about that importance of finding the right talent and how you can apply that to keeping the right circle yeah man thanks for that it's yeah your research thank you so much I, I really appreciate that um perseverance for me really simple you grow up get a lot of no's you learn how to take a no and then over time it becomes numb you'll be like hey i got this idea this 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 what do you reckon now nah. oh sweet what about this idea and you just you know you become so i don't know i think you get so used to hearing no's all the time. And I know this is like a big, like, whenever you listen to business people talk, they're like, man, you will take it 900, like 9,000 no's. It only takes one year to change your life. And um, that's that's it. Like, that's it for me. It's take your no's, move on, figure it out. Yeah. 
um, when it, when we're talking specifically about finding the right people for projects, um, that one in particular, I knew after getting that no so many times, they finally gave the yes. I go, oh yeah, watch this. Now I'm going to show you why you should have given me the yes on the first time. <laughs> and, you know, I'm being fortunate enough to work with people who are amazing at what they do. You know, so Siva my specifically, my first option was like, man, I got to get Samson Rambo on. And he's not on the application. I went and looked, I didn't put him on because I was like, he's too out of reach for me. Let me just put some of the other dudes on that I see doing everyone else's music videos. And for me, when I reached out to Samson, he told me like, man, at that moment when you reached out, I wanted to get back into the game, into the directing music videos game. And so stars aligned for me on this specific project. And I'm I'm really, really grateful for Samson's like mentorship throughout that. He's like big brother to me. And so there's a lot of things I learned on the project a lot of things i got wrong and a lot of things i got right which you know i can be proud of Teresa in particular great story i was doing this um short film sort uh, web series and she was looking after the location so that's just the person who lo- looks around you know uh, make sure that no one's running around the school and stuff because we were based at a school at the time and um i kind of just knew her through like mutuals and so we like met on set uh this was like we met on the monday and then I think it was like Thursday, Friday, I got the funding and I, I learned by then that she was a producer and I was just like, you wouldn't produce my music video, would you? She was like, yeah, whatever, I'd do it. But she thought I was joking. But at that moment, I was like, yeah, cool, legit. You know, <laughs> because I had known that she'd done still here. So for me, I'm like, cool, I'll get Therese, I'll get Samson, and we'll make this project work. And honestly, they pulled so many strings for me, so many favours. I'm just, I'm like forever grateful for that, just that like, group project you know and i still haven't been able to thank them just for the process because they made it so easy for me so choosing the right talent for things is super super important you can get it wrong sometimes it's okay but i think it's always important just let artists be artists you know and i've gotten it wrong a few times sorry um like my bro koko shakim he did my my music video just before and i didn't know you shouldn't ask for too many changes in a music video (laughs) He like sent me, I think we were up to like our third revision. I was like, oh no, can you change the whole idea? And he hit me with a, hey, like that's not actually that cool when it comes to this stuff. Like we had something we talked about and you're now changing it all over again. So I learned from, you know, having him on board. And so when I came over to Samson and Therese, I let them, you know, like, hey, this is all of our baby. This is all of our project. However you think this should look, I trust you. And so I was really glad on Siva Mai. I just let everyone do what they wanted, art department, makeup, wardrobe, all of that stuff. And it worked out really well for me. So it's just perseverance and, you know, choosing the right people. Bro, man, just talk about trusting the process, man. <laughs> trusting the process, you, you really have to, like, you, you're right. In terms of the, the creative um, ownership, in terms of you get all these people on the team, and it is, I, I really believe what you're saying in terms of talent, yep. making sure you get the right people on board and being able to trust, like, okay, each individual here, this is your what your, your school is, just, just go with it, and, and I just, I trust you 100%. Pretty much. That's yeah. cool, bro. Yeah, and uh, my specifically, I was like, here's our concept. We took a while to find our concept. Once we found our concept, okay, cool. Every department, they can do what they want. Just see what they come up with, you know. They have a chance to let their art speak for themselves. And honestly, everyone came to the party. It was great. Yeah. There were any times where you felt like, oh, man, oh, gosh, I might have to... St- I'm questioning this person, man. Was it? Nah, there was just moments when I was like, man, all these people are here for me. Everyone's checking and making sure that like this thing is going great. And I'm like, damn, this is weird. (laughs) 
it was weird man it was like i can't, i think it was like close to 50 people on set that day and i'm like this was out of it you know so it was it was cool and I, I was really blessed to have a really good like production team behind it yeah that's cool um, just a couple, couple more questions. Go hard, bro. Uh, sorry, bro. Go hard, bro. Um, the first one was, um, you know, we were talking about like the self perception and the inner talk, and I was curious about what truths about yourself haven't you accepted yet? Hmm. I, I haven't really accepted, and I'm actually really stubborn. I like to think, nah, I'm all good. So I can, you know, I can have a listen, whatever. I'm pretty stubborn. Um. Also, one thing, oh, I think I've accepted it now, but body dysmorphia, you know, um, man, look in the mirror, not happy. Spent most of last year sculpting what I thought was a really great body. By the end of that, you know, I was in the gym three hours a week, look in the mirror, still not happy. So things like that, like just, have I accepted it? No, because I don't like the way I look. Um, I'm pretty stubborn, but I'm not going to admit to that. And so I think there's a lot of things I still need to learn about myself. Um yeah, yeah. Body dysmorphia, real thing though. That might be my biggest issue at the moment. Damn. Yeah. And thanks for sharing, bro. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's no, I think it's. I think it's actually really normal. Mm. Yeah, like um, I'm self-diagnosed, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen anyone to tell me that. I just look in the mirror. I'm like, right, it's a leg. Come on, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually quite common in a lot of um people that I that I've met and that I've spoken to. And a lot of people, you know, that's why they're at the gym all the time. It's just not happy with the way they look. And with the kind of popularity of social media at the moment where everything looks amazing, you know, it just makes it worse for people. And there's all these people like trying to keep it real, look real, and it's still not real. It, you know, makes it worse for people. So um, body dysmorphia, something that I haven't quite dealt with just yet. Yeah. Learning though, learning. It's cool. Uh, Chuck's, I don't know if that might be the first time I've heard the term. How, yeah, so it's cool that we're like, um, that you're sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, man, it's another thing that we're trying to normalize on this table, like talking about these stuff that people go through, but we haven't, like, don't really know how to talk about it. Yeah, that term itself I found on TikTok and it was about someone who was like anorexic and they were like, man, I have body dysmorphia. That's why I like don't eat food because I want to look really slim. So I'm like, Chuck, I must have that, but like the opposite way because like I wanted to be huge and like it just wasn't happening, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. So I've just self-diagnosed myself with dysmorphia, but there's definitely an issue out there with everyone like just not happy with how they look on the outside, which in turn kind of, you know, the inside as well gets look a bit fuggly sometimes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Last question. I swear. <laughs> you go hard, bro. <laughs> so, um, well, we, I worked in the museum for a little bit at Te Papa, and um, one of the things that we were taught there was that fine art gets its value from the story, the journey of that. That's where art gains its value and um one thing i noticed about you was like that i thought was really interesting is just the way that you understand the journey of those who came before you you know your parents your grandparents like you've taken the time to learn that and i think that gives you a lot of value as a father and being able to pass that down to your daughter um and so my last question is when you look at your daughter what of your parents do you see in her 
know. She asks lots of questions at the moment. Uh, my dad asks me lots of questions all the time. You know, um, it's a really good question. I don't know if I can answer that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of me I see in my kid. Um, yeah, and it's just like creative. She's really um, she's quite self-aware as well. You know, so she knows when she's feeling sad and why she's feeling sad and what things you know made her feel sad or also like. And she's like, hey, dad, this is the second time you've lied to me. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, yesterday you said, let's go for a walk. But you went and had to sleep. And this is the second time it happened this week. I'm like, okay, cool. She's like, at least she's voicing her, you know, her concerns with me. So for me, that's like, that's something that I see in myself. And that's a, um, that's something my dad implemented, both my parents, where they kind of allowed us a space to speak our minds. You know, and at first we were really hesitant because we were scared we'd get a hiding but like because they done that, my daughter can openly, you know, share her opinions with me about my parenting. So maybe that could be something. Oh, but if I'm talking characteristics and stuff, man, I don't know yet. I think she's still too young. She's still finding, you know, who she is as a person. Um, you know, still losing teeth, things like that. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for that question. I appreciate it. All good, all good. Yeah. Man, the Western Guide. The Western Guide, bro. It is. It is, it is the Western Guide. Soon to be the Southern Guide. <laughs> <laughs> off, hey, that's off, off, off the mic step at all. The Western Guide, bro. Hey, hey. It has been, it's, like I said before, it's been really enlightening in terms of listening to what you had to share. And you, 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 your journey thus far, bro. It's, it is. It's really impacting and really powerful. Really, really powerful and, and empowering in terms of who you are as, as a man, but more so as, 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 a, as a father. Um, and representing our, our, our people as well. And so you're the voice. You're the voice that, our, that a lot of the young people are listening to and even adults mm-hmm. are listening to this. And so I can imagine that, that you carry a, a mantle, so to speak, in terms of who you are. And it's, it is, it's been a privilege, um, the brothers and I have been able to, to listen to you and, and um, just to, to have the know in terms of uh, the amazing work and the, like, like Jay was saying, the controlled chaos that we all have. But you are, in the midst of all that chaos, you're doing some amazing things, bro. Regardless of whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, you are. You, you're doing some awesome stuff, bro. So, my Lord, love the fools once again. Yeah, thank you so much. Brothers. Yeah. Ah, oh, us honestly, thanks for sharing. And really cool to, like, sort of pick beyond the personality and, like, sort of help understand what makes you you. Um, and I think the biggest learning is just seeing how, like, a lot of your struggles are our struggles, and I just saw a lot of yeah. my own personal like thinking. Like, man, I've always, I've always thought that too. Yeah, yeah. And it's just cool to hear it from other people and the way that you've been able to deal with it. Really gives me hope personally, like as a father, as a son, as a brother, as a husband. Um, it just makes me really hopeful um, for myself and my journey. So, just I'm grateful that our paths crossed tonight, and um, just the learning that you've been able to give. So, um, just wish you all the best in your endeavors. Um, yeah, and all the successes, especially as a father, because I just think with your knowledge of what's come before, man, your daughter's so blessed, but also you're so blessed thank um, you, by your daughter. So, thank you. yeah, big ups. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Usul. Yeah. yeah, it's been. Sometimes I forget that <laughs> there's a camera out there. <laughs> so, like when we like, you know, we want to create a space that's just open to the noise if we're in the garage or something. Um, that's what it's been like for me. It's been real chill, and um, I'm really encouraged by um, just your journey and um, 
a lot of the things that you've um, shared on this table, like you know, we really look up to people out in the public um, space where they're doing all these cool stuff, but you know, people on the outside only see <laughs> um, the glamorous side and not realize, man, these guys got they go through it as well, and you got a story of your own and. And so um, I'm really grateful for you for being open tonight, um, being like that voice for this next generation. I know that that's not what you endeavor to do, like because it puts a lot of pressure. But um, yeah, you have this mandate, you have this purpose um, that God's given you, and um, whatever platform that you choose to be on, and God's going to use you in that space. So. Um, my low lover also. Um, we look forward to keeping this connection because um, yeah. yeah, we always love seeing the journey of um, our guests, um, especially our, our our young ones. So um, thank you also. Oh. Give you your flowers. Like I know. Uh, thank you so much. Everything you've done. So. Yeah, thank you so much. It's uh, it's such a weird feeling, you know, to be given your flowers in person too, <laughs> you know, and. At, at my age it's you know it's really empowering and i'm so grateful that you guys have invested time to just have a conversation with me you know to pick my brain and to just listen and i know i talk a lot you know and that's a lot that i've spoken tonight <laughs> so i really appreciate that you guys have opened up the space um to not only myself to have the, our conversation but to, for conversations for you know other other people like me and you know having conversations that maybe not everybody wants to talk about but want to hear about so it's it's such a you know lovely platform thank you I, you know i feel like a, a lot is lifted off my shoulders you know i'm going through some stuff at the moment you know just away from the spotlight and so i really feel like tonight's been really important in just my own mental health and reminding myself that there's people who look at me in a different light because we kind of forget that you know we yeah, we just think we suck every day so you know it's good to know that you know you guys genuinely care about you know, people, you know, and, and having this platform as well. So again, thank you so much. You know, thank you for the love. Thank you for the space. Thank you for, you know, caring, you know, research as well. That's crazy, <laughs> right? But honestly, thank you, yeah. Uh, to the team as well on the on the technical side. I know it takes a lot to put stuff like this together. So for you guys to take the time away from your families and, you know, of your day to come speak to me, I really, really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, and like Brianna Fraun always says, like, I'll never stop because there's people who have invested time in me. And so for that, I'll keep going. So thank you guys so much. Also, hey, every guest that comes on, we always give them a gift, give them a bit of a caricature, a bit of a a sketch of um, how we envisioned you to be. And so also, um, this is for you, my my friend, on behalf of the Mandate team. No way. It's my muscles back. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Man, thank you so Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. This is amazing. The body, everything right. Everything <laughs> 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 does a trigger. <laughs> man, looks good. The dysmorphia is real now. Get back into this. Nah, thank you so much, guys. This is this is amazing. Oh man, uh, appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Um, just yeah, like like um, Jay and, and, and Charles were saying, hey, all the best, bro. All the best with your yeah. endeavors, uh, my little lover. Once again, and, and all the best, man. All the best, and continue to, to do those amazing and, and accomplish amazing feats out there. And so, um, don't forget to like, subscribe, and um, 
and also your comments as well. Look forward to your well thought out comments. And uh, as usual, brothers, oh, oh, call out. Oh, sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry. You're right, you're right, you're right. Thank oh you, thank God, you. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there someone? Is there someone that you could um, you would suggest that could be an idea for the podcast? Samson Rambo been on here. He's been. He's been recommended. No, he's been recommended, he's been recommended. quite a few times. Samson Rambo, one of the greatest minds I've ever cool. met. So I would highly recommend him to come and have a chat. Even Therese, you know. And I know they're pretty fresh in my mind because I've just worked with them. Mm. But, you know, um, he's actually taught me quite a bit in the last three months. And so I've kind of been on a bit of a break. I need, you know, after working on a project so long, it gets a bit crazy. But I would highly recommend um, Samson Rambo, Samson Wautua. Four names. Four names. In case you want to find them. <laughs> and final words from our guests. Yes, yes. The final words. Uh, you have the word of encouragement for our, our men. One last word. Um. Yeah. Very simple. Remember to tell yourself that you know you love yourself. Just say like I love you. you know? Say that to your friends. Say it to your family. Say it to yourself. Say it to your kids. The more you hear the word love, the more it is like the more likely it is to manifest itself into your life. Um, and I've always struggled with just saying I love you to my mates. So, um, to anyone listening to this, you see you guys on the table. Love you guys. Thank you so much for you know having me on board. And let's um let's keep rocking. You know, it's journey always continues. Awesome, 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 man! I don't love a like, comment, and subscribe. Look forward to you all. Throw comments and as usual, brothers. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go. As usual, brothers. Refine, unlock, take charge. Mandate.